NPR, New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio 77. WBC. I'm talking about right here on the Bernie and Sid show. Some kick-ass music right here. No stand. Yeah. Come on, let's hit it. That's right, back here on the Bernie and Sid Show on this uh, Tuesday, January 25th, essentially the last full week of January, of a very bleak January, a very bleak month of Mondays, which uh, really uh, I call that uh, earlier in the month, and, uh, well, it's always true. It certainly has been bleak, very, very bleak. We got a lot of news this morning here on the Bernie and Sid Show. I heard everywhere on the 77 WABC app simulcast out on Eastern Long Island. News Talk 107.1 FM. Also, you can check us out live stream on your smart TVs, on your computers. And again, it's an interesting uh, look there at the WABC studios at WABCradio.tv. And uh, right now, I just want to, at the top of the uh, uh, show here, just mention, mention the fact that the New York State Supreme Court has overthrown the dumb governor's mask mandate. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, they've overthrown it, kicked it out, that it's unconstitutional, it's unenforceable. A kudos to uh, Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman for bucking it, saying we're not following this idiocy, this fascism, this authoritarianism from this dumb, unelected governor. Uh, so uh, you have a lot of kids are going to school this morning, and they don't have to wear masks. Of course, where some of the uh, woke schools uh, they're still going to try to impose their will and make these kids go to school, which is wrong, wearing masks, and they're going to uh, stigmatize those who show up and not wear masks. But a lot of schools will liber- feel liberated and say, no, it's the other way around. You want to wear a mask? You can wear it, but uh, we're not going to stigmatize you. But if you don't want to, you don't have to. And uh, that's where we're going to start. Sid Rosenberg, my good partner, my good friend. Uh, how the hell are you this morning? I am doing. Uh, I'm doing okay. I got to tell you, I, I've had such an emotional uh, week and a half or so, dating back to last Monday, the funeral for my friends Al and uh, Danielle and Antonio, and you, of course. You, you uh, every day I worry about you because I love you so much. That at one point yesterday, this is a true story. You can go to my Instagram at Rosenberg Sydney or my Facebook Sid Rosenberg. You'll see. I'm in the gym, burn. And I'm uh, doing a, a big-time chest workout. Um, I got 275, not a lot of weight, but it's enough. Come I'm trying on, to get bro. my 10th rep at 275. It's a true story. And, Bernie, without any any warning, I can't even tell you what I was thinking about, I started to cry. But I mean like Ben Stiller, something about Mary crying. When he's walking down the street, uh. and it's like, ah! Oh! And I'm like, what the hell? So this little kid who's friends with my daughter, Ava, walks over. I'm like his hero. He walks over. He goes, hey, man, are you okay? I'm like... I'm fine. 
I'm great. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened, but I started thinking about my father. Right? After all the whole week between, like I said, my friends and you for the last month and a half, I started thinking about my dad, and, and I just, now I was able to do the last two reps at 275, but I just started hysterically crying, and I called Danielle, wow. and I said, what the hell is going on with me? And she yeah. said, you know, you're, I think you're starting to realize your mortality, you're getting older, you're, you're taking life more seriously, things that didn't matter before matter now. So I know it's a long-winded answer, Bernie, to how you're doing this morning. No, it's not. It's not at all. And, of course, uh, you know, all the events around that, that are occurring around you with people you know and people you uh, like and love, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, it's, it's completely understandable. And I, and I recall when I was uh, putting together the forward for your book hmm. – uh, I, 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 I neglected to, but uh, I was going to include this, uh, that you are uh, sort of a hybrid of, uh, you know, the, the, the neurotic comedian Richard Lewis? We yes, I used to love Richard Lewis. Crazy you are, about you. You are a, a, a sort of a hybrid of Richard Lewis and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> I swear to God. I, I was going to include that. I didn't, but uh, I'll mention it now. And uh, that, last night, I think... Uh, epitomizes what, yeah. uh, what what I was trying to say there, that's, because that, that's you. Thank you. That, that's actually really funny. You know what? Can I, I'm going to tell Johnny Russo it's not done yet. Can we add that today? Are you okay with that? That's oh, brilliant. of course. Absolutely. I'm going to tell Johnny. You know, somebody else referred to me as The Rock last week. I told you this many, many times, and Danielle always says, The Rock, how about The Pebble? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you, you know, it, it, it varies. It goes back yeah. and forth. Uh, so The Rock at times... And then, and yeah, I guess the pebble uh, when you, uh, I was going to say devolve into uh, Richard Lewis. But, <laughs> right. Uh, when I become that guy crying about uh, Real Housewives yeah. of Salt Lake City. Hey, that's what makes you you, bro. That's what makes you you. That's why, uh, that's why you're such a complicated, compelling uh, individual because uh, those types of, uh, I guess, mood swings and, uh, you know, your strength versus your, again, your anxiety and uh, your, your, your sense of dread and uh, your neuroses. Et cetera, et cetera. So. It's, all, it all, it's all part of the uh, bipolar disorder, which I suffer from uh, on a daily basis. Uh, I also had to tell you this morning that on Friday, uh, I'm considering taking the whole day off, and, and you probably should too. If not, I'll come in for an hour or two, that's it, and hand it off to Curtis Slewell, who's always dying to work. I was talking to Lou Spagnola this morning, our good friend there, uh, Bernie Dolores' brother. He, of course, he's a hero with the Patterson Police Department, and uh, they're all coming, all the cops, New York, New Jersey, Everybody's coming here because Rivera's funeral is at St. Patrick's Cathedral, which, if you don't know, folks, is literally a three-block walk. I go often on Fridays from our studios. So I'm going to go to the funeral for Rivera with uh, Lewis and the Patterson Police Department at 9 o'clock on uh, Friday morning. So that's going to add more to the emotional couple of weeks. Sure. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It, it really is. Uh, it's a sad, sad week. It's a sad, tragic week. And, uh we're going to look back on January of 2022 and, say, and give it the middle finger is what we're going to do. You know, it's funny. Here we're talking about all the things that make, make me cry and make, and make, you know, make us uh, you know, very um, emotional. And, and you know, i got to admit this, Byrne, talking about this cop getting shot. So the guy that did it, this animal, I thought he was killed on, Saturday, on Friday night. And then I saw it on the television yesterday with Christina, the guy's in critical condition. I'm like, wait a second. I thought they killed him on Friday night, and he did not die on Friday night. He didn't die until yesterday, and all I kept thinking was, when somebody like this commits a crime like that and kills one of our officers, maybe two may die by the time this thing is over and done with, 
Why do the uh, doctors operate? Like, just let him die. Like, don't well, take him to the hospital. Don't try to save his life. Let him lay there, bleed out, and die. I hate the fact that criminals are taken to the hospital, and even if the, if the doctors try to save their lives, don't even try. Let the son of a bitch just die. It makes me angry. Let him die. I 1,000% appreciate the uh, sentiment and the emotion, but you know, of course, uh, doctors uh, uh, are, are bound by the Hippocratic Oath, and of course... There is the presumption of innocence. All that stuff uh, combines to, uh, you know, the fact that we, you know, we're bound, really, to try to keep the uh, mutt alive until uh, justice is served and then uh, and then then kill him. It's funny. It reminds me of George Carlin when he talks about how, uh, you know, they're going to execute somebody. But uh, before they give him the injection, they, they rub his arm with rubbing alcohol, make sure he doesn't get an infection. We wouldn't want him to have an infection as we kill him. <laughs> I mean, you know, so I guess it's something like that. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's out. Good riddance to him. And uh, I don't know. It's just sickening. Listen, uh, uh, weather-wise, we're gonna, it's going to be fairly uh, mild today, to be quite honest with you. But uh, interestingly, I found yesterday in, in uh, Florida, it was actually freezing. Miami didn't get out of the 40s, for God's sakes. Uh, Orlando, Tampa, et cetera, would, would, they were down in, in freezing temperatures. So much so, I read that iguanas were falling out of trees because they become immobilized in the uh, cold, and iguanas just falling the hell Is out of true? trees. Is that true? I swear to God. Oh, my God. I read that uh, yesterday, and uh, I thought it was fascinating. And, of course, the big, big news, America holding its breath right now. I mean, uh, things happening that uh, people are just, you know, they're sitting on the edge of their seats about what's going to happen. Will Tom Brady resign, or will he stay on as a uh, NFL player uh, next year? That's the big, big uh, that question. That is a big story. In fact, uh, even the Buccaneers coach, Bruce Arians, Bernie, talked about it yesterday, and it seems like he's already coming up with a plan B just in case Brady retires. Being that you brought it up. Of course, James, I was. But, I brought it up in Chester. I really, the big question, uh, I guess, is the stupid uh, Ukraine-Russia war. Well, of course, of course. But <laughs> but believe it or not, uh, there are probably more people interested in Tom Brady. No, you're right. But, you're, you're right. People do not give a rat's ass. No, makes, they don't care. makes it all the more inexplicable as to what the hell we're doing out there in uh, between this civil war between uh, Ukraine and Russia, who are essentially cousins. But, uh, yes. Nobody cares. But this is uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer head coach Bruce Arians, to your point, Bernard, yesterday talking about the possibility of life in Tampa Bay without number 12. I haven't talked to him yet. And, you know, I'll take all the time he needs, and you know, we'll, we'll see. I'd be comfortable, Rick, if it is. You know, I, I like what we have. But, again, you never know what's behind door number two. We, we kind of went down that road two years ago, and there was Tom Brady. So, you know, we'll have to wait. Uh, yeah, I, I say he stays. I mean, he's still really in his prime, obviously. I mean, so what? He, he got to uh, – you know, as far as he got this year, but it could have went either way. He could have been in the Super Bowl again this year. So I say he stays. He's got the bug inside, the fire in the belly. And uh, I don't know how hot he is to, uh, you know, move on to the broadcast booth, even if that's uh, in, in in his cards. I really don't know. You know, I found out, I realized uh, with Drew Brees, remember I kept saying, oh, he's got all this FU money. He should never have caved to the woke people and yep. threw his grandfather's under the bus. From watching uh, uh, Drew Brees all, you know, all winter, all, 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 excuse me, all autumn long during the football season, 
he really wanted to be in the broadcast booth. That's that's what he wanted to do. I mean, uh, post uh, his career, that's exactly what he wants to do. And he, he does a great job. But uh, I don't know if it's still worth throwing his uh, grandpops, both of them, his World War II hero grandpops under the bus. But as far as Tom Brady goes, do you think uh, is that uh, a broadcast, uh, a post-career no. broadcast situation? No, I don't see him? that. When Brady, and I agree with you, Brady will be back. He had a great year. He may win the MVP. He had a great year. His team lost by three points at home to a Ram team that may go to the Super Bowl. He was two games away from the Super Bowl, hardly a lost season, and he lost a ton of his players. Antonio Brown quit, a lot of injuries. So he uh, he played great this year. I'd be shocked if he didn't come back. But when Tom Brady does leave, it'll be like Jeter. He'll be gone for a couple of years. And then if he does come back to the NFL, I think it'll be some type of ownership. Maybe he'll buy a team. But I don't see Tom Brady sitting there every week like Tony Romo breaking down game film. I yeah. just don't see it. It would actually uh, just uh, explode the mystique of a Tom Brady if he sits there and right. spills his guts every week on, uh, you know, this, that, and the other, uh, this this cheap team or whatever the he hell He ain't going to do that. He, no. There's a better chance he'll, he'll star besides me in Gravesend in about two years. <laughs> uh, so, uh, listen, we're going to talk to the great uh, NYPD hero, cop, actor, Bo Deal, a, a man with a heart of gold, Bo Deal. We're going to sp- also speak to uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin, who actually fought against this uh, mask mandate that this that dumb governor put down on New York State. He wants to say a thing or two. But one last thing, uh, it's, it's getting a lot of play, was uh, Joe Biden uh, to this guy, Steve Ducey. Yesterday. Peter Ducey, Steve's son. Peter Ducey, excuse me, Steve is his dad, that's right. Uh, yeah, uh, Joe Biden, the uh, irritated and annoyed old fart, uh, the uh, imbecile, essentially, couldn't take a question, couldn't take a question out of left field. He wasn't supposed to ask this question. Uh, Ducey uh, just screamed it out, but... Uh, Again, it's getting all kinds of play all over the place. So, what the hell, Justin? Give it a shot right here. That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. Yeah, right. I actually thought that was funny. Uh, So... Uh, you know, he's being completely sarcastic, is Ducey. I mean, he was, he was respectful. Is inflation going to be an asset in the November elections? There was a rumor that Biden called Ducey and apologized, but uh, Christina, doing her homework as she often does, she's all into Sean Hannity. Uh, on Hannity last night, we found out that there was no real apology between Biden and Ducey, and we've got that audio coming up later on today, too. So we've got that story covered from top to bottom, Bernard. Yes, uh, yeah, I, I know exactly. Uh, he did call, Ducey, but uh, as far as the apology goes, we'll leave you sitting on the edges of your seats as we get to that. All kinds of other news out there, Sydney, which we'll get to on the Bernie and Sid Show, 1-800-848-9222, and uh, we're coming right back. Hike up your skirt a little more and show your world to me. Dave Matthews and Crash at 625 on your Tuesday morning. This Bernie and Sid in the morning edition right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Bernard back in his palatial estate out on Long Island. Right now he's uh, out at the pool. He's got the doggies out there and 
Carol and Mel are swimming. They're actually ice skating. Oh, they're ice skating. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is it colder out there on Long Island this morning than it is right here in Midtown Manhattan? I'm just curious. Uh, it's about the same. About the same? Yeah, yeah, low 30s, uh, but yeah. uh, everything's frozen, i got to tell you that. It's all frozen, yeah. yeah. So listen, Eric Adams, yesterday, you brought him up in that uh, opening segment, Bernard. He did speak, and he mapped out his plan to combat crime here in New York City. And I want to read you what the headline of the New York Post says. Hope for New York City. It's funny. Every time Eric Adams speaks or does something, there's always hope. (laughs) And you laugh because it just goes to show you how pathetic Bill de Blasio was. That even though Eric Adams has done and showed nothing to make us believe there is reason for hope, anytime he speaks, there's hope for New York City. And then it goes on to say, Mayor Adams' plan to tackle crime is complicated, but... But it may actually work. And he talked about bringing back the anti-crime unit, which you and I both agree would be a great thing. So if Eric Adams does that, Eric, you're listening right now. I know you are. If Eric Adams does that, start right there, brings back the anti-crime unit, I'll give Eric Adams an A for effort right there. What about you? Right now, absolutely. I I get it done yesterday. We have no time to waste. You've had three weeks already. What are you waiting for? I mean, it was there for years and years and years. The structure is in place. You know how to do it. Uh, again, no delays. I mean, let's get it done this week. Let's get them out there. And uh, don't even talk about it. Just do it. Yeah, he so says, the, the criminals he, don't even know. He says in the next uh, two to three weeks that's going to be the case. He keeps talking, though, Bernard, and this is where he loses me just a little, just a little. He keeps talking about getting the illegal guns off the street. That's great. Don't get me wrong. That sounds beautiful. The problem is there's 19 billion guns already on the street. What good is that going to do to get the illegals off the street when uh, that's already – we're kind of past that, are we not, Bernie? That's total pandering to the left wing of the party, uh, him and Hochul uh, doing and saying the same thing. Uh, uh, talking about gun crime and uh, you know that type of thing, guns causing all this crime, that is no different, no different than saying that the SUV plowed into right. all those people in Waukesha, uh, Wisconsin. That's it right. is absolutely no different. Yeah. It, it, the guns are not pulling their own triggers. There are people pulling the triggers. There was a person who drove that SUV into that crowd of uh, Christmas uh, uh, revelers, celebratory, uh, yes, uh, revelers, thank you. Uh, so, yeah, so for, for them to do that and say t- continually talk about gun crime, which, by the way, they do on the fake news all the time, the fake local news right here, and the, I'm sure the mainstream, uh, CNN, ABC, all that stuff. But they do it all, all the time. More gun violence in New York City. No, more violence from people pulling the triggers of guns. The guns are here. They've been here. They're always going to be here. It's going to take, uh, you know, uh, it's going to take years to get all the guns off years. the street. In, in fact, never. It's going to take a miracle. Jesus will exactly. walk right outside this building today before that happens. Uh, that's exactly right. No, but if you notice, Bernie, he did it again yesterday. I'm telling you, what did Eric Adams do again yesterday? He appeased both sides. He talked about bringing back the anti-crime unit. That makes guys like you and I, Republicans, conservatives, law and order guys, that makes us happy. Then he talked about gun laws. That made the left happy. This guy has made it an art where he can do one speech and try to make everybody happy. And a lot of people are happy because they don't see through it. I do. But the fact is, he did it again yesterday. He found a way to make both sides happy. Is that not accurate? I think it's right on the money. And as far as the anti-crime unit, the devil is in the details. I mean, how effective he's going to, to allow them to be. 
how handcuffed they will be uh, it will tell the story. I mean, you got to bring back stop and frisk. This is an emergency. Desperate times call for desperate measures. We, we, we can't care whose feelings are hurt. Uh, some people are go- going to be, uh, you know, ensnared in uh, stop and frisk and maybe the anti-crime tactics. But that's, that's only for a noble cause. That's to stop crime. That's to stop 11-month-old girls from getting shot in the face. People have to understand it. They have to accept it. That that's that's what it's, that's what what it's intended for. It's not racist. When Greg Kelly uh, when Greg Kelly did it, excuse me, when Greg Ray Kelly. Kelly did it, yeah. it was not racist. No. And now uh, Eric Adams, when you're doing it, it is not racist. It is to stop crime, stop little girls, and stop old ladies, and stop I don't care, yeah. uh, stop thirty year old men, yeah. innocent men from getting shot dead in the street, and and innocent uh, you know women, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, all over the all over the city. Stop it! It, it just generally speaking will slow crime down. Is what it will. It will start making people fear the police again. That they're effective. That they can do things. And uh, so the devil will be in the details uh, as to how effective he allows the anti-crime unit to be. All right. Before we get to the clip of the day in sports and traffic and all that good stuff, and then an abundance of guests here on today's program, we'll take our first call of the day. Bernard Gale. Is in Manhattan. Gail is on line one. Good morning, sweetheart. How are you, Gail? I'm I'm fine. Good morning. I want to say I agree totally with Sidney Rosenberg's feelings about this piece of crap, LaShawn McNeil, and who killed the young cop. I, I was happy, at least satisfied, when I first heard he was killed. Then my heart sank when I heard he was still alive. Yeah. Now I'm a little bit at least pleased that he is killed. And I can't help but wonder if the doctors did everything they could to save him. <laughs> we'll never know. Yeah, I thought the, the same thing. They're like they're like smoking a cigarette, listening to music. They're like, is he dead yet? Is he dead yet? <laughs> <laughs> but that's but they did screw it up because if you remember, Bernard, they said that the third cop who actually did the the, the shooting was in terrible shape because he saw his friend die and he killed the perp. And for two days, they said that McNeil was dead, and he wasn't dead until yesterday afternoon. The no. whole media screwed that up. Right, yeah. No, they, they were talking about how traumatized the cop was. But, yeah, uh, in the heat of battle, uh, you know, news, the fog of battle, uh, news gets, uh, you know, gets erroneously reported, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, the fact that he's dead is uh, we'll, we'll take solace in that right now. Good riddance to him again. To the lady's point and to your point, the doctors do what doctors do. They don't. They don't. They don't look at uh, you know what the what the perp, the suspect, the guy on the gurney who they're operating no, on, no. Uh, what they did. I, I understand the sentiment, and uh, I'm actually agree with the. No, sentiment. you know they're like they're Just like let them go. They're like defense attorneys. You know, at the end of the day, whether it's Joe Tacopina, Arthur Idala, or Daniel Rosenberg, they know their clients are guilty. But they've got a responsibility, and it's the same thing with the doctors. It bothers civilians like you and I who just want to see scumbags go right to prison and murderers die. Right. But they've got a job. So, Yep. The, the Hippocratic Oath, uh, Sid Rosenberg. The Hippocratic Oath. Listen, uh, traffic and sports is coming up next. We will speak to hero cop Bo Deedle, who has uh, all kinds of insight. We're going to speak with, uh, with the man who's running for governor, Congressman Lee Zeldin, a little bit later in the program. But traffic and sports is coming up next. Right now it is time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to Larry Kudlow this and every Saturday from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Here Kudlow talks about the difference between crime in red states and crime in blue states. You know, you know, I know there's crime in places like Texas and Florida and Tennessee and 
some other red states, but not like this. Not nearly like this. Nothing like this. These are flourishing cities. The red the red cities, the red states, they're flourishing. They're not declining. I mean, almost every day I pick up the paper and uh, more cops are shot. People are thrust off subway station platforms. It's just horrible. Tragic, but horrible. I don't want to lose my empathy. I don't want to lose my sympathy, but I want to lose this problem. He's absolutely right, Larry Kudlow. Look, there was a cop shot and killed in Houston uh, over the weekend, shot dead during a traffic stop. And by the way, when I watch, uh, I watch this show called The Five on Fox News and this dude, Harold Ford, he starts off every uh, discussion about crime saying, yeah, you know, there's uh, crime in some Republican cities as well. And Larry Kudlow just dispelled the myth about that in that uh, it's not nearly as severe as it is in the blue cities and states, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, there you have Larry Kudlow every Saturday morning, 10 to 1 a.m., 10, 10 a.m., excuse me, to 1 p.m., Every Saturday, a brilliant guy on 77 WABC. And right now it's time for a very, very nice man. His name is Luke Legrano. He's going to do the traffic for us. Good morning, Luke. Good morning, Bernie. Nice to hear from you. They've cleared that accident on the Gowanus Expressway near Exit 24. They're still working on that incident on the Bell Parkway. A lane is blocked near Exit 4. There's heavy congestion all the way back to the Verrazano. Over to Hudson Valley, there's a vehicle fire blocking two lanes on the Cross Westchester Expressway near Exit 10. And in New Jersey, there's a vehicle fire blocking two lanes southbound on the Jersey Turnpike truck lanes near Exit 14. No major transit delays at the moment, and alternate side parking rules are in effect. With traffic, I'm Luke Legrano for Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. All right, not Sydney, but Justin Ellick here with your early news, or not early news, bottom of the hour sports update. Apologies, sponsored by Peerless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. Go to peerlessboilers.com or paviliontankless.com for a dealer near you. Peerless Boilers, America's best built boilers. Let's dive in with the Knicks in Cleveland up against a solid Cavaliers team. Longtime Cav Kevin Love shined for the home squad, dropping in 20 points, including nine straight in a three-point barrage during the third quarter. Top scorer for the Knickerbockers was shooting guard R.J. Baird, who registered 24 points on 9 of 16 shooting from the field. The Knicks needed more, though, as they fall 95 to 93 on the road. Up next for the Knicks is a trip to South Beach tomorrow night to take on the Miami Heat. As for the Nets, they're in Brooklyn tonight to host the L.A. Lakers at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Let's check on local NHL action from last night. Just the Rangers were in action at home against the L.A. Kings. Three periods wasn't enough, and now there was an overtime period as a shootout was needed to settle this one at the Garden. Enter Adam Fox, who scored the deciding goal for the Rags in the sixth round of said shootout to lift the Blue Shirts to a 3-2 win at home. Fox against Quinn. The great Sam Rosen on the call. The Blue Shirts won't skate again until Thursday when they'll battle the Blue Jackets in Columbus. Islanders and Devils will both be in action tonight as the Isles are at home against the Flyers at 7.30 p.m. Eastern and the Devils have the Dallas Stars in Newark at 7 p.m. Here with your bottom-of-the-hour sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Again, sponsored by Peerless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. Go to peerlessboilers.com or paviliontankless.com for a dealer near you. Peerless Boilers, America's best-built boilers.
back here on the Bernie and Sid Show. Heard everywhere, ladies and gentlemen, on that 77 WABCF simulcast out on Eastern Long Island, the News Talk 107.1 FM, and also on your smart TVs, on your computers. You can watch us at WABCRadio.tv, and uh, you'll be surprised. It's a very interesting, uh, as I pointed out yesterday, new configuration at the station. And, uh, yeah, today, of course, uh, Tuesday, January 25th, the last full week of a, a, a dreadful, dreadful month, the month of January 2022. Although it is just two days before the official six-year anniversary of Bernie and Sid here at Talk Radio 77 WABC. Thursday, two days from now, we'll celebrate six years together at this station. I like that. See, you said you, you always see the bright side of things. <laughs> I mean, that is your personality, is it not? <laughs> not really, no. <laughs> No, it's not. I'm already dreading January 3rd now, next year. Uh, that's funny. That's hilarious, yo. Uh, yeah, so uh, we do have that, and that's a big deal for us uh, personally. Uh, we're very, very happy. Look, uh, we, we, we'll just uh, glance over it again. Uh, this is just Everybody's talking about it. It was hilarious. It's uh, Joe Biden calling the reporter a, a stupid son of a bitch, uh, believe it or not. But here's the rub. Uh, he said something uh, back when he first took office that uh, contradicted his sentiment toward that reporter yesterday. But first, here's what he said to the reporter just one more time. Take a listen. That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> More <inflation>. So good. <laughs> it, it, it really, isn't it funny? It's, it just makes me laugh. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's actually a refreshing, candid moment from the old imbecile right well, there. Well, it shows but, he's got a little bit of fight left somewhere in, in him. A little yeah, bit of fight left. Right. And a little sarcasm, though he does sound beleaguered and defeated. You know, it's like, yeah, it's really going to help us. You know, I'm screwed. He, he knows he's screwed. He's completely and totally screwed. The fake news, by the way, yesterday all over the place, they were just killing him, slaughtering him, distancing themselves from him. But uh, nevertheless... Here's what he said about that type. You know, of course, Donald Trump berated reporters all the time. Usually he did it with a sense of humor. Uh, well, even if it was uh, somewhat mean-spirited, it was funny. At least it was to me. And, and of course, it, uh, it was because of my point of view as well. A lot of it uh, was influenced by my point of view. However, this is what Joe But He was supposed to bring back civility, Joe Biden, and unity, all that stuff. This is what he said last January on the topic of, well, civility and unity. Take a listen. If you're ever working with me and I hear you treat another colleague with disrespect, talk down to someone, I promise you I will fire you on the spot. On the spot. No ifs, ands, or buts. Everybody, everybody is entitled to be treated with decency and dignity. So, of course, uh, you know, hypocrisy, uh, left and right, all over the place. Uh, if that's the worst thing he's guilty of, uh, we, sh- we should be so lucky. But it, it bears repeating, it bears pointing out that the guy's a phony, uh, you know, a POS, all that stuff. And just a complete and total reckless failure. The worst president in the history of the United States. The idea that he's contemplating hostilities with Russia to distract from, his, uh, from, from the aforementioned inflation, which was the question that uh, the reporter Ducey asked him about inflation, crime, and uh, supply chain shortages, all these things. That's really what I think is at the heart of this whole uh, Russia thing because it makes no sense whatsoever. Even the, even the Europeans 
They don't have the appetite. Nobody wants to fight with Russia. And by the way, why did you prop Russia up? All these, uh, why did you uh, I- implement a policy allowing them to supply, to sell energy to uh, Germany? Uh, why did you allow that? They, they're enriching themselves. That's why they have all this money to buy these weapons to invade the Ukraine, because you, stupid, you allowed it to happen. And uh, so, and now here we are. So now, now we're we're on the verge, maybe, of war. And as I mentioned yesterday, uh, you have these uh, law, this law of unintended consequences. And what what war, by the way, in this country? And these people are responsible for the worst foreign policy disaster, maybe in the history of the country, which was the Afghanistan evacuation. But I mean, you have Afghanistan. You well, have I'm not Iraq. sure that's, that's not the worst in the history of the country. I mean, uh, Vietnam, I think, is probably a little worse. And well, maybe, to your credit, because uh, I was there in that newsroom back in 2001 when you were the only person, not another Republican or Democrat, was yelling only you when Bush 43 decided to invade Iraq. So that was really bad. Don't get me wrong. But you can't compare that day, 13 dead, to Vietnam or, 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 uh, or Iraq. Well, you make a good point, but it was a horrific uh, foreign policy blunder. It, w- it was unnecessary is what it was. Uh, the other uh, incidents, uh, you know, they thought they were doing something right. They thought it was a, a noble cause of Vietnam, of course. But, but what happened in Vietnam? It, it turned into a, a, a unmitigated disaster. Uh, we had so many people, uh, young men killed. Same thing in Iraq. Same thing in, Af- in Afghanistan. And all for naught. And now we're going to entrust these people uh, to, uh, ag- again, engage in some sort of hostilities. No, with can't trust people. them. By the way, that does beg the question, being Bernie, that you are so great when it comes to this stuff. And you are. I'm not just uh, patronizing you. When was the last time we fought a war that, at least in your estimation, was a worthwhile battle? Uh, it would have to be uh, the first Gulf War. I mean, that yeah, was the first it, one with Bush forty-one. Although absolutely. it wasn't even a fight, we just we just beat the living daylights out of them. <laughs> exactly. But but you talk to uh, like I have friends that that were there. They were they were sleeping in the desert for six months, getting yep. ready for this engagement. Yep. They didn't know it would be such a cakewalk when it uh, went down. Uh, they had the foresight. Even Dick Cheney was part of the uh, the national security team back then. That said, once we kick their asses out of Kuwait, kick their ass and take their gas. Once we kick them <laughs> out of Kuwait, <laughs> we had the foresight, the, the the wisdom, not to follow them up into Iraq and try to take it over and nation build. And right. that was the key right. to success right there. That was the last good, clean uh, war that the United States engaged in and did a good thing because, obviously, uh, yeah. Hussein was it, it was hell bent on uh, taking over the region and all the oil he could. And he was powerful back then. He was scary. He was intimidating. But we did win that. So. Well, let me make it harder on you because that was an easy one, I think. Give me all one right. before that. One before that? Yep. Uh, I'd have to go to uh, – well, you'd have to go to Korea. I, I was going to ask you about Korea. I don't know much about that war. I didn't even watch MASH, <laughs> to be honest. I which hated MASH. Hated covered it. that war. But, what, that was a good one. Uh, yeah, it was ultimately. I mean, uh, it wasn't a clean, clear victory. I mean, obviously, North Korea still there, but uh, but for us, you wouldn't have that uh, that beacon, shining beacon on the hill on that Korean peninsula called South Korea. You wouldn't have it, and it, it is a shining uh, a beacon on the hill, and they're a great ally, strategically placed. Uh, so you would have to say that that was the, the prior to the Gulf War. 
Yeah, we also had, uh, you know, uh, Granada. You had uh, no, but that that was you, uh, Ronald Reagan, right? Yeah, you had Panama. You had certain right. uh, certain, you know, engagements. They're very, very, very minor. And then before Korea, of course, World War Two. Right. That was right. That was the yeah. last one. Sure. That was the last yeah. one. Yeah. And you know, speaking of uh, just digressing a moment, uh, speaking of uh, people calling other people stupid, I just think this was funny as well. Uh, you know, you had it in New York yesterday. You had uh, Sarah Palin was here. She's uh, she's involved in a lawsuit against the New York Times. Remember, they compared her her, her putting these uh, little crosshairs in some campaign ad, saying that she was uh, well, she was sort of responsible for the the killing in Colorado. Uh, so somehow or other, they made the connection. Anyway, she's suing the New York Times. She's here, but also. This uh, oily uh, Michael Avenatti is in town. He's being sued. Uh, he's in court for, you know, I guess uh, fleecing Stormy Daniels. That's what, he's, that's what he's here in New York for. Is that the one? Because he, he was also in trouble for the whole Nike deal. That was millions well, of dollars. Yeah, that's, all, that, that, that's a California case. Gotcha. Uh, but uh, apparently he's out on bail or something like that because he was walking in the streets yesterday. And in this case uh, against Stormy Daniels, the uh, the other oily guy, uh, Michael Cohen, uh, Donald Trump's former personal attorney, he apparently is instrumental in this case against Avenatti. I love it when these uh, low lives go after each other. But uh, on his way into court, somebody asked Avenatti about Michael Cohen, and he kind of pulled the Joe Biden. It was uh, amusing at the very least. Take a listen to this. I heard about this book that he's got or some podcast, Mia Culpa. You should have called it Mia Culprit. The guy's an absolute dirtbag, dumber than a box of rocks. The guy's an absolute dirtbag, dumber than a box of rocks. <laughs> he is. He uh, is. And he's right. Uh, yeah, Takapina was in a couple of days ago, and he brought up Michael Cohen. And he said, the worst attorney, the worst attorney. I said, I got to tell you, this is a guy even worse than Michael Cohen, although they're on the same level. And he said, I don't know, Sid, who's that? And I said, Michael Avenatti. You heard this, Christina. And he said, yeah, you're right. You got it. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, well, look, he's just – Avenatti is – he's not stupid. He is as, as, as sleazy as you could possibly get. He may be sleazier than Hunter Biden, but uh, he's just a lowlife. Uh, 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 he, he fleeced uh, paralyzed people. He fleeced the cripples. I mean, he's just a terrible, terrible – and he lied. Of course, he – the whole thing about uh, Brett Kavanaugh raping people, it was just – he knew it was garbage. And he just he he screwed and he uh, you know he pulled the wool over all the fake news uh, eyes. He was on all the shows. He's just a piece of garbage. But uh, but either way, uh, when, when somebody calls somebody uh, dumber than a bag of rocks, somebody like Michael Cohen, I love it. By the way, I knew Michael Cohen. I did shows with Michael Cohen on Fox News, and I hung out with him in the green room. And he was also always just a stupid guy. I could tell you, he's the really stupid guy. He would do things uh, as an Donald Trump that respectable lawyers wouldn't do, and that's why Trump kept him around. And when Trump went to Washington, D.C. and didn't take Michael Cohen with him, Cohen got his uh, knickers all twisted. And, uh, you know, that's why one of the reasons why he turned against Donald Trump. Uh, And then, of course, recall that he actually was recording Donald Trump while he was his attorney, surreptitiously recording him for some future use. Uh, I mean, the, the, the unethic, unethical behavior doesn't even cover what he was. He's every bit as bad as Michael Avenatti. But uh, listen, let's get back to, uh, if you will, for a second. We talked about him yesterday. We talked about 
all these people, uh, Democrats, are coming around. You know, you have this uh, congresswoman. She's a congresswoman from Virginia. Her name is Elisa Slotkin. And she was talking about uh, how people are, are sort of uh, segueing over to the Republican Party. And she said it's not they're not necessarily political people. They're just tangentially paying attention. And that's just the drift. Listen to what she said. Take a listen. Elisa Slotkin. Well, look, people don't wake up in my district like real political people. They're waking up and they're talking about the price of groceries, the price of gas. They're talking about crime. And they're talking about crime. So and she went on and on and she said, and and this is the drift. This is why she was she was being asked about the polling and people, uh, you know, drifting away from the Democrat Party. That's what it is. It's not not necessarily political people, but they see what's happening out here in the country. And that's why it's going to be a bloodbath for the Democrats in November of 2022. Can't come quickly enough here on the Bernie and Sid Show, 1-800-848-9222. We're going to speak to hero cop Bo Deedle, a great man, also a great actor. And we're going to speak to Congressman Lee Zeldin on the New York State Supreme Court striking down the uh, governor, the unelected governor's mask mandate. Yay. There's hope, folks. Keep hope alive on the Bernie and Sid Show. I do. Back here on the Bernie and Sid Show. Again, we're going to speak to Bo Deedle next hour, and then we'll speak to Congressman Lee Zeldin on the Bernie and Sid Show. You know, uh, I was watching last night, and uh, just uh, uh, very briefly, uh, the uh, Jeopardy champion, the transgender, is still killing it. Yeah. She is now the number two. She won the uh, he? well, she, the, the 39 straight games. He? Uh, Ken Jennings has uh, 74, I believe, straight games. Yeah. And uh, she is 39, he. so she's num- number two. He. Yeah, he. Yeah, okay, I'll go with it. Tired I happen it. to like this person, so I'll yeah, she indulge. Cool. She cool. I'll indulge this person yeah. uh, there. She doesn't flaunt it. But, uh, no, I, I believe she's reasonable, very reasonable. I mean, no. she's not going to walk into a, you know, a, a girl, a little girl's locker room and have her thing swinging around. Yeah, I don't think so either, no. And I don't think no. she's for this uh, U-Pen swimmer uh, beating girls and uh, for, for, for biological males I competing yeah. against biological girls. I actually came to know and like this person before I knew it was a, she was a transgender. Right. And now I've, I, I like her. I like this person a lot. Amy Schneider. So congratulations to her. I know a lot of people watch Jeopardy like I do as well. Here on the Bernie and Sid Show, ladies and gentlemen, we're coming right back.
Billy Corgan smashing pumpkins. The killer in you is the killer in me. This is Disarm at 7.05. Here on this Tuesday morning, the Tuesday edition of Bernie and Sid in the Morning on Talk Radio 77 WABC. The great hero cop actor, dear friend Bo Deedle, going to stop by this hour. Congressman Lee Zeldin will be here later on this morning. And there may be a surprise here, too, today. I don't know. You're in the rumor. Folks, go to WABCRadio.com now and register for your chance to win a WABC Barry House coffee mug. Barry House Coffee is proud to be the official, there's a cup of Barry House right here in my ABC mug, is proud to be the official sponsor of Bernie and Sid in the morning here on 77 WABC. Register now and good luck at your Barry House Coffee and get yourself a Barry House uh, Coffee mug, too. It, um, it is 7.06. We've got the whole crew here. Bernard, who was uh, great again, our one, back today for day two. But Justin Ellick is here, Luke Lograno, Christina's here, Mike Garcia, Frankie Diaz with an E, Deb Valentine, the whole crew. And I can tell you about uh, 9 o'clock last night, I was uh, really about to fall asleep. I, I'm good till about 9.30. I, don't know, I know, Bernie, you and I have different schedules, and you kind of sleep all day and wake up at 1 o'clock in the morning. I, uh, I usually fall asleep about 9, 30, 10 o'clock. By 9 o'clock, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in rough shape. And I'm certainly not watching Sean Hannity. I can tell you that much. But uh, you, Christina, you are hooked on, on Sean Hannity. And why is that? You, I'm just curious. Uh, you know, Bernie's good friends with Sean. I'm, I'm pretty good friends with Sean, too. Not as well, as, not as close as Bernie is. By but. the way, Sean, uh, he texted me last night. He did. He's a great guy. He's a he great really guy. Is. Terrific. And terrific. I got to tell you, when I, was, when I was really dying in Miami, talking about guys like Chuck Todd, Sean Hannity, and you know this, uh, Bernie, he invited us in New York for some reason, I forget. He invited me on his radio show, and I went on with uh, Ron Christie and uh, Tamara, what was her name again, a friend from uh, Fox News? Oh, yeah, Tamara Holder. Yes. And I did his radio show for like an hour, an hour, and it really did a lot for me in getting me back to New York. So I love Sean Hannity, but, you know, once you listen to his show or watch his show once or twice, it's, you know what's coming up next. There's, there's no suspense, but you can't get enough, can you, Christina? Well, you know what it is? You're going to see what you don't see on every other station. Although I will say, you know, I like to give credit where it's due, and I like to be very open-minded, which is why I watched Bill Maher on Friday night. Uh, I will say I have been kind of watching other stations because it's just so gratifying and satisfying to see them going after Biden. Oh, you thought so? So, you, like hate watching? Like you'll put on MSNBC or CNN, right? Because right. I, I wasn't I wasn't able to really watch those stations during Trump's presidency because it was just nonstop, relentless. I mean, talking about his hair and it, it was just nauseating. Now. I'm actually watching other stations just because just I'm curious to see. Are, are we talking about the fact that he called the reporter an SOB? And they are. Yeah, yeah. And they are. Yeah. And, you know, we all know that if that was Trump, oh, forget it. Oh, forget about forget it. it. They're he turning on him. They, 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 know he's, that... they know he's done, and they're, they're distancing themselves from him yeah. wisely because he is really just a mess, a complete mess. Universally, I mean, uh, it's, uh, objectively speaking, he is just a total, total failure. And they're like, they're running away from him. They are. And he's not fooling anybody at this point. So you did catch last night after Ducey, after he referred to Ducey, he didn't realize the mic was still hot as a son of a bitch, which Bernie played earlier this morning. You did catch the story about the apology part. Is that right? Correct. So now there was actually no 
apology. No apology. No. So so President Biden called Peter Ducey because, let's be honest, he was told he had to. I mean, and he said, listen, it's nothing personal, pal, and wanted to clear the air. But when Sean Hannity said to Peter Ducey, did you actually get an apology? Peter Ducey kind of avoided the question and said, no, you know, he just said it's nothing personal. Because obviously, listen, Peter Ducey's a reporter, right? The more Biden speaks to him, the better it is. The better he does right. at his job. Right. So he doesn't want to burn. That's that the difference bridge. between a more like a Costa Bernard at CNN, who could have had the same, you know, adversarial relationship with Donald Trump, but instead he pushed it so far. He was so unprofessional that Trump ended up hating his guts. And Ducey's yeah. a little smarter about it, right, Bernard? And a little more classy. You're right. Exactly. That's a great point. Uh, yeah, Ducey was like, uh, yeah, the phone call was fine. I'm not looking for an apology. He said it was again nothing personal, and. Uh, and and that's that. It's over. Uh, you know, that's, that's the, the contentious <laughs> relationship uh, continues. Right. He's going to ask the difficult questions. But, uh, yeah, apology, not, not, no apology notwithstanding. We will continue with our relationship the way it is. Now, we do have that audio from last night. This is a courtesy of Fox News. Christina, good job. Sean Hannity on Fox News last night. Did he apologize? Uh, he cleared the air, and I appreciated it. We had a nice call. <laughs> He's, that's not an answer. Did he apologize? That doesn't sound like an he apology. Said, he, he said, it's nothing personal, pal. Oh, and I pal. told him that I okay, appreciated pal. him reaching out. Hey, hey Sean, uh, the world is on the brink of, like, World War Three right now yeah, I, uh, I with it. all this stuff going on. I appreciate <laughs> that the president took a couple minutes out this evening <laughs> while he was still at the this... desk to, to give me a call and clear the air. At least he called you pal. But, but you know what? I, I don't need anybody to apologize to me uh he can call me whatever he wants as long as it gets him talking and today you know uh, you played some of the he did call him pal that was an awful job cutting up the end of that uh, conversation uh, justin but at any rate sean hannity courtesy of fox news last night peter Ducey. now uh, again uh, i told you folks that friday we're probably not going to be here i think curtis will be here because i'm going to make my way to the funeral for rivera along with my friend um from the patterson police department Louis Spagnola, but I'm telling you, this is not my opinion. It's a fact. This other cop is going to die, too. Uh, this other cop is not going to survive. He's in very, very critical condition. He's had two surgeries, and um, I believe they're already talking about donating his organs at this point. So this is not going to be one cop dead. This is going to be two cops dead, and it may be a day. It may be two days, but that's what we're going to have by Friday. So I want the the folks to realize that while we're, we're praying for the Rivera family, that before this thing is over this week, Bernie, this other cop is going to die too. It's just, it's, it's just that's just the way it's going to be. Um, just so heartbroken to hear that. Uh, yeah. Another great uh, cop, Officer NYPD, Officer Mora. Yeah, yeah. Uh, said, yeah, they moved him to another hospital, and uh, I guess it just doesn't look good. He went but, to uh, uh, NYU Langone, but uh, again, talking to folks in and around the department, uh, they they say he's already dead. It's over. So. Uh, it's 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 heartbreaking. It's brutal. Bo Deedle will be here uh, for at least one segment, maybe more. He'll detail all of that. I think he's hearing the same thing that I'm hearing. So this will be uh, two officers gone, two heroes, two great young men, Rivera and Mora, uh, by the end of the week. And that continues to be the big story. Eric Adams is on right now with those two animals, <laughs> Joe and Mika on MSNBC. And he's talking specifically to Mike Barnacle, our good old buddy there, Bernie, about combating gun violence. So he has become the, really the nation's mayor. I'm, I'm trying to remember, you know, Rudy Giuliani, of course, we call him America's mayor because he was so magnificent during 9-11. 
But even though we know a lot of mayor's names in and around this country, Garcetti, for example, in Los Angeles, Lightfoot in Chicago, uh, you know, it seems to me like Eric Adams, and maybe because he's a media darling and, and it's Bill de Blasio, the guy he replaced, but he seems to be at this point like the nation's mayor. All these national networks and, sure. and cable channels, Bernie, want to talk to Eric Adams. Plus, he's in the, uh, he happens to be in the media capital of the nation. He's available. He's there. I, I know they could do it remotely, Zoom, whatever the hell. But, uh, yeah, he is the, he's the black law and order mayor of New York City where uh, it just so happens we had uh, one cop murdered, another one, sadly, if, if what you're saying is true, is, uh, yeah. well, he, I don't even know. probably going to die, too, yes. yes. So, so, yeah, so uh, Eric Adams, yes, media darling, but, again, I'll go back to what we said yesterday. He's sitting there talking, uh, you know, mouthing platitudes about uh, guns, as, as though guns are killing people, as though the SUV and Waukesha kill people and not the driver. He's, he, he's telling Joe and Mika, you know, these, these stupid uh, Democrat talking points when he should be, as I pointed out and you pointed out yesterday, naming and shaming individuals to affect change. Use that bully pulpit, that, that, that stage, that platform that these people are giving you to call these people out, to change the, the no-cash bail law, to change the uh, – to refund the police, call out the city council, call out the, the uh, people on the city council, the speaker of the city council. I think her name is Adams as well. It is, uh, yes. And call, call out, call, of course, the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, who uh, – Yes. I know you were about to mention him. Uh, he knows that he has been getting just lame-based by everybody – and uh, he has now talked a couple times the last couple of days and once again, I believe, apologized yesterday. Here he is, in fact, uh, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg apologizing for his douchebag policies. The, the way it was done uh, caused confusion, uh, understandably left the wrong impression about how I will enforce New York's laws. Uh, and I take full responsibility for, for that confusion caused by the memo. Well, that's great. He takes full responsibility. Yeah. That's always nice to hear when uh, somebody, by the way, as he said that, as he played that tape, just got hit over the head with a baseball bat somewhere in New York City, and the perp doesn't care because Alvin Bragg's not going to put him in jail. But it's nice that Alvin Bragg is accountable, isn't it, Byrne? It wasn't. Uh, there was no confusion about the way it was laid out. It was what was in your damn stupid uh, 10-page memo. I mean, the fact that a, a perp can go into a store uh, and, and rob it with a gun and as long as he doesn't shoot the gun, he will be charged with a misdemeanor. Did you change that policy, Mr. No, Bragg? No. Did you change the policy of not prosecuting people who resist arrest, which will lead to assaults and perhaps uh, murders of police officers? Did you change that? Until you change that, shut up. We don't want to hear anything from you. <laughs> we don't. Shut your mouth. Change your policies. <laughs> and by the way, those, those, those are laws. You don't have the right to change those laws. That's you right. You really don't. No, he you doesn't. You have to enforce the laws that are on the books. And he, he's, he, he plans not to. And to this point, I don't care what he says or, or, or misunderstanding the way it was laid out. Uh, no, not, no misunderstanding whatsoever. You are a pro-criminal creep is what you are. And until you change those policies, uh, you will continue to be a pro-criminal creep. In fact, you know what we'll do? We'll take Joe Biden from yesterday in the spirit of what Bernie just talked about. It was brilliant. And, uh, you know, Bernie got all fired up there. I do like that. And we'll, we'll, Biden was talking, of course, about Peter Ducey. But in this little exercise, this hypothetical exercise, we're going to act as if he's talking about Alvin Bragg. Okay? So play the Biden cut, and here he's talking about Alvin Bragg and not Peter Ducey. Do you think you play physical political 
government's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It works for you him. Know, you know, you do just, just isolate what a stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> Exactly and uh, right. when, whenever Elvin Bragg uh, uh, talks, play a clip, right, conclude it with that. But we what could use it with so many bitch. people. I mean, let, let's put together a list right now of the yeah. people we can use that that for. Justin, who who comes to mind first for you? Um, probably Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, very good, good one. Luke Lagrano, who comes to mind for you? Oh, Justin Ellick. Oh, what? what? <laughs> 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 Christina, who comes to mind for you? Adam Schiff. Oh, Adam, Adam Schiff. How about that one? And yeah. uh, I think Mike Garcia just ran towards the studio. Anytime he sees the other uh, folks hop on, he gets all excited. Uh, I guess uh, Adam Schiff works. Uh, and Schmuck Schumer, uh, Schumer. Kathy Hochul. Frankie all Diaz, go ahead. Frankie, go ahead. He wants to hop in here, Bernie. Frankie Diaz with an idiot. What am I saying? You're an idiot. You don't even know what the hell we're talking about. You went in here and grabbed the mic. In, but he I do my job. I don't know what, what, what's going on. All right. On. Uh, the, the son of a bitch line that Biden said yesterday, if you could apply that to anybody, who would it be? The first name that comes to mind. First name. Mm, my father. Oh, my. Was that right? Damn. Why don't you get on the couch and let's have a conversation. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was rough. Bernie, right? Is he alive, your father? Yeah, I haven't spoken to him in since March of 2011. Oh, I'm sorry, bro. Yeah, yeah, Bernie, yeah. like Bernie's. <laughs> Bernie goes, hey, wow, Frank. Sorry to hear this. L- long story short, my life is better because of it. It's okay. I know, okay, but good. I'm not sure we wanted to go down this route. We were talking about Adam Schiff and Chuck Schumer. This turns out to be a. We just opened up a uh, a serious wound that we didn't want to do that. But that's not really a serious wound. I'm I'm right. I don't I don't think about it. It's just that you said it's the first person who comes to mind. Okay. Well, thanks for that. Give the first person. Well, good luck to you. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Well, what a disaster yeah. that was, Humber. Uh, yeah, uh, slightly, but uh, my father. My father. Uh, yeah. Well, one of these days we'll devote a segment to uh, Frank Diaz's life. Yeah, we have to do that. Uh, yeah. Me and Let's Bernie see. are going to interview you on your whole life, okay? Because it sounds really interesting. You know, I, I I actually thought for a second that, Bernie, you would say Imus, but uh, we can't do that because people get so upset. The message no. board, Alan Snippen, he gets very upset with us. So we can't, no, we can't do that. About, uh, Imus? Uh, no, not at all. No. Not, not even close. <laughs> Honestly, I really wouldn't. Uh, you wouldn't call Imus a son of a bitch? Uh, not at this point. No. no, I wouldn't, no I wouldn't, he's uh, dead uh, too look, long. We, we, we had issues, but uh, sure. right. well, we've been through it a million times. Uh, I, I would not include Imus uh, in, the, in the Biden comment, no. Wow, you are getting soft, Bernie. You are getting soft. No, I, I'm not getting soft. It's just <laughs> it would be gratuitous at this point. No, you're 100%. I agree with you a 1,000%. All right, that was a great segment. We've got a lot more to do. Bo Deedle's going to be in this hour. Congressman Lee Zeldin running for governor next hour. And we've got Beat Bernie coming up and Lydia reports and maybe a big surprise as well. Trust me, you do not want to change this dial. You want to keep it right here. You'll find out why. It's the Tuesday edition of Bernie and Sid, only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up from the NRIA.net studios in New York. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Tuesday, a pundit named Kirsten Powers, who works for CNN, wrote a column saying President Biden is doing a fabulous job. His performance in office has been good, according to Ms. Powers. Now, she is paid to say good things about liberal Democrats. So this is no surprise. But the thing is, I believe Ms. Powers herself believes what she is writing. Why? Because some people 
perhaps many of us, believe what they want to believe. Facts? Nah. President Biden, on almost every situation, is doing a poor job running the country. Most of us know that, and almost every poll shows that Americans are disenchanted with Joe Biden. But Kirsten Powers is not, because she is a devoted leftist. No matter how poorly the left performs, Ms. Powers will never admit it. You know people like that, not only on the left, but on the right too. They believe what they want to believe. They live in a delusional state. Unfortunately, this is growing in America, and it is a terrible thing for our democracy. That is the Morning O'Reilly Update. More analysis later on. Back here on the Bernie and Sid Show, and boy, was that song uh, ahead of its time when you consider what the, the, the poison is they're shoving down kids' minds these days. Paul Simon didn't know what a, a Nostradamus was back in the day, but uh, we're back here on the Bernie and Sid Show. Heard everywhere on that 77 WABC app simulcast out on Eastern Long Island, News Talk 107.1 FM also, live streamed on your computers, your smart TVs at WABCradio.tv. We spoke to, uh, is it Pastina Christina or Christina Pastina? Pastina Christina. You know what it is? Sid calls me Christina. Well, that's why your name is on Instagram. No. Well, explain, explain to Bernie and the listeners why it's Pastina Christina, because I have no idea, and I've known you for years. So, so it's Pastina Christina, although you like to flip it. Right. And it is on Instagram also, just because that was always my nickname growing up. It, it symbolizes me, number one, I eat a lot of pasta. Right. Number two, I'm Italian. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and it just and, <laughs> and that's what they called me growing up, and it just it it, it, it summarizes me. I feel well, like. it's adorable. It's a very Thank cute you, nickname, and it's very uh, catchy as well, uh, Christine. I'll I'll just call you Christina, but uh, either way, you did allude, and you brought it up yesterday, and I have it on tape. It automatically tapes the Bill Maher show over the weekend because you brought it up. I watched it last night. And uh, you talked about how the common sense that he's displaying. Uh, people are, are afflicted with uh, COVID derangement syndrome. That's what it is. Remember Trump derangement syndrome? People have COVID derangement syndrome. Now, the big news in New York, of course, is that the New York State Supreme Court struck down the unelected uh, dumb governor, Kathy Hochul's uh, mask mandate, struck it down. And kudos to Bruce Blakeman for 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 bucking the uh, the the mandate itself. Saying, yeah, but what does I'm that mean? I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I know Long Island where you live. That's one thing. But in other words, my son Gabriel went to school in Manhattan today. He's still wearing a mask. Yeah, because uh, individual schools will t- t- try to take the initiative, and that could those things could be challenged in court as well. But the schools that are inclined not to uh, adhere to a government a fascist. Uh, authoritarian government diktats, gotcha. uh, they will say, no, listen, if you don't want to wear a mask, you don't have to wear a mask. If you want to, go ahead, but we won't stigmatize you. Other schools will stigmatize people who come in, maybe separate them. They'll still screw with the kids, but either way, 
It's a uh, points in the right direction. Uh, the, the court called it unconstitutional, unenforceable. This is the New York State Supreme Court. This is a high court, a fairly high court. It's funny. I remember having that fight with Danielle, who's a brilliant attorney. Uh, believe me, uh, she's brilliant. She's that good. And and I remember telling her way back when, because she, you know, she puts the mask on and she hasn't gotten COVID yet. God bless her. She's lucky. Uh, and, and I said, I just don't understand. It's unconstitutional. She said, no, it's not. A health emergency. I said, well... I guess if it's a health emergency, but no one's really proven to me, at least over the last year, that we've even had a health emergency. So it's funny who you talk to. Some attorneys feel like it's really not unconstitutional, and other people like you and I feel like it is. I was happy to see the Supreme Court say that because I felt all along almost everything, almost everything politicians have made us do has been unconstitutional. Yeah, uh, well, it, it, I believe it's unco- the government has no right to tell you uh, how to, what to wear, what to do. It, it's personal responsibility. Uh, we're a country built on individualism, uh, health emergency. Not, not so. We all we we know the masks don't work, and we know contrary to them not working, they hurt kids. They hurt kids. Kids are stunted, emotionally stunted, uh, socially stunted. Uh, intellectually stunted because of the Democrat policies. All of these things are unconstitutional, in my view, because they run contrary to public health. Uh, but listen, uh, just on the Bill Maher front, uh, this is this is the clip that everybody was talking about, him saying, I'm done with uh, this COVID derangement syndrome. Take a listen to Bill Maher. It's just gone on too long. Nobody cares anymore. I don't want to live in your paranoid world anymore, your mask paranoid world. You know, you go out, it's silly now. You know, you have your mask, you have to have a card, you have to have a booster, they scan your head. <laughs> like you're a cashier and I'm a bunch of bananas. Exactly. It was funny. And, and, and humor goes a long way. Uh, all good humor is grounded in truth. And one last one. Uh, Rich Lowry brought up this uh, woman. Barry Weiss. Now, you remember, Sydney, she quit the New York Times because of the yep. anti-Semitism there, yep. she, because of the wokeness and the anti-Semitism. And she started a uh, website called Substack, which people like Glenn Greenwald, traditional Democrats can express themselves without fear of uh, retribution, censorship, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, she was on with Bill Maher. And this is the clip that uh, Rich Lowry was alluding to yesterday making eminent sense. Again, a Democrat, Barry Weiss. Take a listen to her. I'm done. With this question? No, I'm I'm done with COVID. I'm done. It's like I know that so many of my liberal and progressive friends are with me on this, and they do not want to say it out loud because they are scared to be called anti-vax or to be called science denial or to be, you know, smeared as a Trumper. I'm sorry. (laughs) If you believe the science... You will look at the data that we did not have two years ago, and you will find out that cloth masks do not do anything. You will realize that you can show your vaccine passport at a restaurant and still be asymptomatic and carrying Omicron. And you will realize, most importantly, that this is going to be remembered by the younger generation as a catastrophic moral crime. People are killing themselves. They are anxious. They are depressed. They are lonely. That is why we need to end it more than any inconvenience that it's been to the rest of us. I think it's a pandemic. And that is a liberal audience actually applauding her. That's a liberal audience. Everything she said was so on the money. And so the tide is shifting. It really is shifting. Of course, you're going to have the diehards. You're going to have 
you're going to have people wearing masks for years. They're going to be like the uh, Japanese soldiers, you know, in the late 40s and early 50s, uh, still in the various jungles fighting the war that ended, you know, seven years ago. Uh, you're going to have those types of people. But uh, it's refreshing to hear this uh, on, on a show like the Bill Maher Show from uh, A. Bill and B. Barry Weiss. Uh, Bo Deedle is coming up next, the great hero cop and a man with the biggest heart in the in the nation, Bo Deedle. from NYPD Blue, which is the perfect entrance, perfect uh, music entry like Mariano Rivera's Mr. Sandman for the guy to my left, the guy that's been a dear friend of both me and Bernard for the better part of 30 years, spent the better part of three decades as a hero cop in this city, and has really turned out to be a tremendous actor, all kidding aside, whether it's Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street, The Irishman, Gravesend, all those, he's great in it. And on a week like this, where one cop, unfortunately, has died and the other cop, uh, to be completely serious, is very close to death, I can't imagine a better guest in studio than our dear friend, Bo Deedle. With that said, good morning, buddy. How are you? Hello, Bo. Good morning. Bo. Uh, you know, I'm retired 38 years, but every time a police officer is killed in the line of duty, it feels as though you lose a family member. And today I have some, you know, some news again. Uh, you know, it's really with a heavy heart, and people have to understand. Uh, police officer uh, 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 Wilbur Mora is a real true hero. What he's doing now is he's donating his organs yeah. so other people can live. He's a true hero, and I want to God bless his family and him because this is what it's all about is that even in death, he's going to let someone else live. And this is the true hero, along with Jason Rivera. And, uh, you know, we're just very lucky that we didn't have three cops killed and more. If you saw what they found in the bedroom of this piece of garbage, don't even mention his name, was a fully automatic uh, AR-15. machine. AR-15. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we could have had a gang of cops killed. And just for the grace of God and the quick action of that rookie officer, that's a real hero. Bo Dito is not a hero. These are real heroes, people in the service who have their limbs taken off, people who will go into war and shot and die, and police officers. These are real well, You're heroes. being humble because if, God forbid, something happened to you, you would do the same thing that these two beautiful well, men I'm, are I'm doing. Not, I'm not a, it's not about Bo Dito. It's about these two yeah. hero officers. Silly question. You're going to be at St. Patrick's Cathedral on I'll Friday, I'll be there right? on Thursday. Okay. I'll be there on Thursday. And, again, my heart really goes out to these families. And, and then when you see this stuff, Black Lives Matter in Washington, D.C., yes, they came out with a statement that says, oh, cops that get killed are not heroes. There's two sized every story. These punks are opening their mouths like they know they are heroes. And why don't you shut up Black Lives Matter? And that's it for that. Now, more important than anything is I got some breaking news. Yesterday morning, I was on a phone call. Richard Aborn. Richard Aborn is a DA that I used to work with in Manhattan District Attorney's Office. He was a bureau chief, one of the great DAs in Manhattan when I was a cop and a detective. He had yesterday, he's the head of the New York City's Crime Commission. Who did he have on yesterday? Was a man named Bragg. And I was on the call and I listened. I was ready to rip him apart. 
But Richard Aborn went into it, and for me to get on there and just start yelling and screaming and cursing like I would normally do, I just listened. And I heard something that gave me the chills. Mr. Braggs actually stated that he did, and he did a 180-degree turn, that he will be prosecuting robberies with any kind of weapons. It will be prosecuted as a felony, and he walked back. The uh, 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 when the when the officers fighting with someone and resisting arrest, they will be prosecuted. He did a 180. He actually said, "Wow, I own it. I put that memo out, and I was wrong. I heard this man say it yesterday. Now, if he does what he says yesterday, made me feel good. New York City, Manhattan will have a DA that will prosecute him. And you're hearing it. It's been recorded. Richard A. Bourne, Citizens Crime Commission. It's out there for everyone to listen. I just listened to uh, D.A. Bragg, and I'm going to respectfully call him D.A. Bragg. And Bernie, I'm, I'm, hi, sweetheart. I'm so, I'm so sorry I didn't say hello to you, but I just had to give this news because it's chilling that we maybe have a glimmer of light in our great city. Yeah, it's too bad he had to be browbeat into it, but we'll take it. We will take it. We know where his uh, sentiments, his real heart lies, but we'll still take it. He's practical. He understood the blowback, and uh, he's adhering to reality and the, the, the reality on the ground these days. We will tolerate none of this uh, uh, pro-criminal pro policies. No. We will not tolerate it any longer. You know, Nobody Bernie, should. You know, Bernie, he talks about... You know, having a gun pulled on him about a homicide in his house. He lives up in Harlem. <laughs> he should be the one, the biggest advocate, the biggest advocate for for the crackdown on crime because his family lives in Harlem. Right. He doesn't want to yeah. see his children shot by a, a stray bullet. So in reality, you know what? you got to give people a shot. But they listened to him yesterday. He came out. I heard with my ears. He will be. He said if they have a baseball bat and they do a robbery, they'll be Felony robbery, gun, felony robbery. This is D.A. Bragg. And I'll call you on it, uh, Mr. Bragg, because you said it. I heard it yesterday, and it's all online as far as what you said. That's breaking news. That is breaking news. That, 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 is, is, that is big news, and I'm glad you brought that uh, to Bernie's attention, to my attention, Christina, and the listeners. But I, I want to go back to the mayor now for a second, because you, you know, you're in the Eric Adams camp, and, and, and that's fine. Uh, and, and the fact is, after these two cops were shot, and it looks like uh, the worst-case scenario may in fact happen, they both may die, one already gone, Rivera and Mora in very, very bad shape. You know, he had, he had the opportunity the last couple of days to come out and talk about three, four, maybe five different things, which me and Bernie pointed out yesterday, to really get the city back on its feet. And instead, the anti-crime unit, great, he's talking about gun control, gun control, a waste of time, a waste of money. Nobody wants to hear it. So do you think, much like Alvin Bragg, who, who impressed you yesterday, that Eric Adams will do the right things, or do you think it's all a bunch of talk? There's no doubt in my mind. Just give, let him get his sea legs on, because he's getting hit from all sides. He's trying to placate everyone, and when you try to placate everyone, you have to draw the line of sand. You don't placate anybody. When you yeah. try to placate everyone, you placate nobody. nobody. Why can't he just say, listen, I, I got I, I, I to gotta get the, forget the guns off the street. I got to reform that criminal bail. I have have to make sure that uh, when, when somebody commits a crime, that the DAs and the judges are going to put him in prison. Say the things we want to hear, Bo, not gun control. You're going to hear from our mayor. He's he's being guided by very good people on his side. He will come out with it, Sid. You're going to be proud. And like I said, 
I did my podcast. I, I urge people to go to my podcast. It was great. One tough podcast. And I say it, is, and it was things that the, the mayor could do. And then on top of it, the week before, we had about political corruption. corruption. And I named Schumer. I named them. You got to listen to these podcasts. I had Ira Rosen and that great. Peter Schwitzer. You got to listen. But the last podcast I did, I actually gave a list of things that we could do. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize you got homeless. And mentally ill, two separate things. You have homeless people, maybe veterans, people who lost their homes. They're on the streets. And damn it, we have all this money, all these big developers, Ross, Roth, Whitcoff, all these big developers. Let's get it all together, a public-private partnership on building on city-owned land, modular housing. Get these people who are not mentally ill, who are just homeless and can't make it. Let's give them a place to live. The mentally ill, we have to go to the city council, and I'll go with the mayor, where we have to say, look, if someone's mentally ill and a danger to themselves or someone else, we have to forcibly remove them for their own safety. Maybe they need medication. Maybe they need consultant. But to leave them living on the subway and on a train platform, that ain't working, Sid. And I tell you what, I am part of this city. I'm a businessman. I will help this mayor with every drop of blood in me. I'll go before that city council. Because you know what? This city council is the problem on a lot of these things. This mayor has to realize one thing. He has to show this city council the reason why we have to do it. Like I said to him a long time ago, this is a war. He's the general. Let's believe in mm-hmm. General Eric Adams and give him the opportunity. And I tell you right now, he knows exactly what he's going to do. Look, at it's a little hard to become the mayor overnight and all of a sudden to make everybody happy. You know, if he comes out too hard, these ain't going to be happy. But like yesterday... We were on the call with Bragg. Some legal aid attorney come on here. Well, you know, you're not conforming to what you said. You have some assistance there of prosecuting cases. And he came right back. But just shows you, you can't appease everybody. And this legal aid ding, ding bat lady says, well, you know, your assistants are not pro- uh, are, are prosecuting these cases. That's not what you said. He said, I'm telling you right now. Robberies, you have a weapon, will be prosecuted as a felony. You go, Bragg. You could come up to Rayo's with me anytime. If you're going to do it, you're welcome to come up to Rayo's there, uh, D.A. Bragg. And you, you got bow on your side as long as you're going to do the job. And this ain't a job for you. This is a job for the people of New York City and your children so we don't have to bury children. We don't have to bury innocent people. This is a war. We got General Eric Adams. Is the general here. Let's give him that chance. Sid, be nice to yes. my mayor. I Listen, will. We, we have to sort of the declare martial law in this city because it is, it's an emergency. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Uh, back to Eric Adams. He could. It's not rocket science. He's got a name and shame, people. Carl Heasty, Andrea Stewart-Cousins up in the state legislature, people in the city council, name and shame them, put pressure on them, name and shame lenient judges who let people out who uh, reoffend and, and, and injure and maybe murder other people. Name and shame people. I think that will work. But, Bolodito, my question to you is this. Eric Adams also made news yesterday. He, he was very st- vociferous about this about the fact that uh, he thinks that uh, if you work for the NYPD, if you're a police officer, you should live in New York City. 
What do you think about that uh, policy? Well, you know what? It, it would be nice if every cop lived in New York City, but some cops can't afford to live in New York City with the low salary. I tell you what, that would come part and parcel. We'll give them all a raise. Let's 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 double their salary so they can afford to live in New York City. But at this point right now, when you're a rookie cop making under $50,000 a year, how in the hell are you going to live in New York City? Where are you going to live, on the street or maybe in the subway car? In reality, it's a great idea for the new rookies coming on you have to live in new york city i i agree with that because what he's trying to say is it's an omnipresence of cops off duty like me i carry a gun right. if i see a robber you know i'm gonna get involved and uh, all the cops off duty will that's what he was trying to say but with this there's more uh, uh, things that i think that we can do as far as supporting the cops more look at what's happened even in milwaukee you have 21 dead in Milwaukee, a little city in Midwest, 21 dead already. This is happening. Five were killed in Los Angeles. This is now a cancer that's overtaken this whole country. And New York City is the greatest city in the world. We have to have our hero. Eric Adams, I want you to be my hero. Please lead us out of this abyss. We need you. You will be the hero, Eric Adams. You'll be on the cover time, and you can run for president if you straighten out this friggin' city, Eric Adams, because we need a leader. Don't worry about these woke tards either. They're, they're, they're killing this city. Don't worry about appeasing them and offending them. Just do what's right. Well, I think I think uh, Bo is uh, is a very optimistic Bo Deedle this morning. Good conversation with Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg yesterday. He he believes in his heart. Eric Adams is the right guy for the job. He's already talking about Adams for 2024 in the White House. <laughs> so that is uh, it's good to hear because I know that we're only 60 seconds to go here, Bo. But we spent so much time the last two years, me, you, and Bernie, lamenting the COVID, people getting sick. You, you didn't even come into the city for a very, very long time. The crime, the riots two summers ago, it's just a mess. So to hear an optimistic Bo Deedle has to make a lot of New Yorkers, at the very least, hopeful. You live here, your family, your children. My kids come into this city. I'm scared stiff. But, again, there's a bright light, and the bright light is Bragg, but the brightest light is going to be Mayor Adams doing what he's got to do. And you laugh about him not being the president. I would love for him to straighten this city out. If you can straighten New York out in the abyss, you you can run for president, and I'll give you your first... $2,500 $2,500 donation when you tell me there you when go. I see you. Okay? 2028 after Trump wins again. Uh, that was <laughs> yeah. the great Bo Deedle with an amazing appearance on this Tuesday yeah. morning here on the Bernie and Sid in the Morning Show. Bring in the fire. Love you, Bernie, love you, Bernie. Feel uh, well. I love you more, Bo Deedle. You're a great man. Thank you. you are. You are. Great job. Thank you, Bo. We'll come back with Congressman Lee Zeldin and more only halfway through the Tuesday edition of Bernie and Sid in the Morning. Way to go, Bo. <laughs> Back here on the Bernie and Sid Show. Love this song. Heard everywhere on that 77 WABC app. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an exciting couple of hours coming up on the Bernie and Sid Show. Really. You got to stick around. Check it out. We got Congressman Lee Zeldin on the uh, New York State Supreme Court striking down the unelected governor's mask mandate, unconstitutional, unenforceable. Lee Zeldin fought it. But we have other surprises coming up. You, you're not going to want to miss it. Stick around on the Bernie and Sid Show. We're coming right back. We're up, baby, now. Say 
Shake it up, baby. Twist and shout. Come on, baby. Back here on the Burning Sid Show, heard everywhere on the 77 WABC app, simulcast out on Eastern Long Island, News Talk 107.1 FM. Also, on your smart TVs, on your computers, ladies and gentlemen, live streamed at WABCradio.tv. You want to check it out? It's a little different. It's very interesting. And uh, here on the Bernie and Sid Show, I promised you it's going to be an exciting, exciting next two hours. We will interview Congressman Lee Zeldin on the uh, glorious uh, New York State Supreme Court throwing out the unelected governor's mask mandate here in New York State. A lot of kids going to school today will not have to wear a mask. And that is Liberation Day. That's like uh, VJ Day, VE Day. This is a big deal for kids. Uh, uh, two years too late, but either way, we'll take it right now. But the big news is that uh, at the bottom of the hour here, in studio, Eric Adams. Sydney, right? Eric yeah, Adams? It will be Eric Adams. Now, it's not going to be you and I doing the interview. John Katz and Matides, of course, uh, Mr. Katz at night, 5 o'clock weekdays, puts on a great show as well as early Sunday mornings. He's got a, a good relationship with Eric Adams. Uh, I know that Eric uh, would like to have a good relationship with me and you. Uh, doesn't have it right now, clearly, <laughs> because we are very critical. So the interview will be between John and Eric. And then um, sometime after the interview, we'll have a chance to uh, maybe talk to Eric. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, in an effort to kind of clear things up and make a better relationship down the road. But it will be Eric Adams. It will not be you and I. It'll be John Katzmatidi. So you get John with Eric Adams and then Bernie and Sid with Lee Zeldin all coming up this hour. Like you said, an action-packed hour, Bernie, the 8 o'clock hour on this Tuesday edition. Really unbelievable here on 77 WABC. Uh, Mr. Katzmatidi's working magic, miracles, is what he, do- what he does and wh- what he has done with this radio station, 77 WABC. All right, before we get to uh, Eric Adams, we talked a lot about him and the crime and, of course, uh, the police officers, uh, one murdered, the other apparently near death. God forbid, hopefully that doesn't happen. But uh, either way, we have that. Uh, but the big story uh, from yesterday on the national scene, and uh, it is it is kind of lighthearted. So uh, in that sense, it's sort of refreshing. Uh, you had this uh, reporter from Fox News, this uh, Peter Ducey, he actually, uh, well, uh, Joe Biden held a press conference, and I guess they were talking different items. They weren't supposed to be talking about inflation. Uh, Ducey screamed out a, a question about inflation. He says, do you think, uh, Mr. President, that inflation will be an asset in the November elections coming up this year? And to which Biden <laughs> had a, uh, well, a sort of Trumpian response. Take a listen to this. That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's one of the most refreshing things I ever heard this old creep say, to be quite honest with you. It was disrespectful, of course. And if Trump said that to a, 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 a reporter, especially a female reporter, for God's sakes, talk about double standards, I mean, he would be raked over the damn coals, whatever. But still, it was an amusing moment. It was a candid moment from uh, uh, Biden, who is aware, apparently is aware. Remember a couple of weeks ago or, I don't know, a week ago, whatever it was. No, it was two weeks ago. uh, Biden actually found out about inflation uh, at his Delaware beach home because his wife's sister was there. And she was like, oh, my God, the price of beef went up to like $8 a pound. (laughs) Yeah, that's what what happened. 
Yeah, that's exactly how we found out. I mean, I mean, this is the guy who, by the way, had no idea over the Christmas holidays what Let's Go Brandon meant. He had no idea. He goes, yeah, when the guy said Let's Go Brandon, he said, yeah, I agree. Let's Go Brandon. Uh, but uh, this shows a, a certain awareness on the part of this, uh, well, this uh, real, so I guess, cognitive mess is the way you would describe uh, Joe Biden at this point. But uh, that was that. However. Well, well, and of course, when you say cognitive mess, uh, and Bill O'Reilly does this quite a bit, and uh, we love Bill, but we don't want to excuse the fact that he's also got an evil agenda. It's not just – I know you're not doing that, but no, just for the right, folks sir. out there. You're, you're it, damn right. It's not just a bill – right, that uh, Joe Biden is a cognitive mess. He's also evil. His policies are meant to destroy this country. So he exhibits both. I, I don't know how you can be more dangerous than that, Bernie, where you could actually be both evil and have a cognitive issue. Yeah. No, well, that, that, that is how they're, the, uh, the, the, the Joe Biden of 10 years ago wouldn't be allowing these things to happen, this woke madness uh, uh, overtaking the country. And, of course, uh, you know, the, the energy, doing away with energy independence on day one, you talk about wanting to destroy America. Uh, no, he would never, ever do that. That is an evil, evil agenda to deprive, to lower the quality of life for Americans, I mean, the, the, the price of heating oil and gas in homes th- this winter, up 50, 60 percent. Nobody's talking about it. Yeah. Nobody's talking. And, and you have the energy secretary, this you t- this do- dopey uh, Jennifer Granholm. She's nowhere to be found. No, not answering any questions. Nobody's even nobody's even talking about no it. No one so, even yes. knows her name. I mean, you know, between her and Pete Buttigieg, the transportation yeah. secretary, who's home right now, diapering his baby for like six months. I mean, give me a break already, please. Yeah, this dummy used to be the uh, governor of Michigan. This Whitmer, she's a real smart ass, and she's nowhere to be found. She has no answers. Once somebody asked her about the price of gas. And she started laughing. Yeah. <laughs> she pulled the Kamala laugh. Harris. Kamala Harris does that, too. Whenever she, she doesn't have an answer, she has this nervous giggle. Like, hey, Kamala, were you down at the border? <laughs> yeah. And then also, of course, the, the fact remains that they want uh, the price of heating oil. They want yeah. the price of gas to go up because they don't want us, the woke, the woke tards out there don't want us to be using fossil fuels. So in a sense, yeah, this is an evil intentional agenda. This is not a mistake. This is intentional. But back to uh, uh, calling Peter Ducey a stupid son of a bitch. Uh, this was Joe Biden, well, I'd say about a year ago, January. Yeah, January of this uh, last year. He said this about civility, unity, et cetera. Take a listen to this. If you're ever working with me and I hear you treat another colleague with disrespect, mm-hmm. talk down to someone, I promise you I will fire you on the spot, on the spot. Mm-hmm. No ifs, ands, or buts. Right. Everybody, everybody is entitled to be treated with decency and dignity. So he's just a liar, a phone. Well, you remember, Bernie, when he won. uh, I'll never forget this. Just like I'll never forget the walk that the Obamas took. And at that time, I was actually encouraged. And I was like, wow, look how cool this is. But the day that he won, Jill on the White House lawn had all these little signs put up with all these abstracts. And the word unity was on the White House lawn about 25 times. And I remember you and I saying that morning, there's no chance this guy's going to unify the country because all of his policies dictate the the complete opposite. Right. But he had all those cute little signs on the White House lawn day one. You remember that? I do. And and I remember also, uh, you know, on Inauguration Day, we were like, uh, we wish the president well. We wish him because if the president succeeds, the country succeeds. But that's not necessarily true. It depends on his policies. 
And if his policy is to c- cancel pipelines and, uh, you know, close uh, federal uh, uh, leases on oil and gas, et cetera, et cetera, that's not going to help the country. So in that sense, while we were wishing him well, in my heart, I'm like, I'm not wishing him well. I don't want him to do these right. things. Uh, you know, and we knew he was going that up. to do them. Uh, you know, what Lee Zeldin said to join us, Bernie, uh, at 840 this morning, Congressman Lee Zeldin, a gubernatorial hopeful coming up. Uh, you think he'll, he'll, uh, he'll, he'll do the fracking? You think that'll come back here in New York if he, in fact, uh, gets that job? Yes. If Oh, if, if, if uh, we get a Republican governor, Lee Zeldin, Rob Astorino, you damn right fracking will come back, and as it should. And it will enrich the upstate areas. It will also allow for natural gas to be, you know, there's a shortage of natural gas on Long Island, in New England, yep. because we won't allow pipelines to be built uh, through New York State to to travel from uh, Pennsylvania, New York State, to get this stuff into uh, the Northeast. Uh, we won't allow it. And that will open that up as well. In other words, it makes everything better if we get an, a, a Republican governor that definitely fracking will uh, commence. You will have pipelines being built, which are, n- are now banned for some, for, well, not for some stupid reason, for the reasons, the nefarious reasons I laid out before. They don't want us to use fossil fuels. Right. So it's so, so important that we get a Republican government. It is, and, and we've uh, got uh, three great uh, choices between Lee Zeldin, who will join us later on this morning, Andrew Giuliani, and Rob Astrino. I'm getting a bunch of texts here, Bernie. I have to clear this up. We, you brought it up. At the very top of this segment, again, we will talk to Lee Zeldin at 840. But before that, Eric Adams, the mayor, will be on this station, but it will not be with me and Bernard. Eric Adams will be on with John Katz and Matides coming up in about 12 minutes. They will talk mostly about what Eric Adams spoke about yesterday, his blueprint to get the guns off the street and combat crime here in New York City. So we will have the mayor on this show, but it will not be with me and Bernard. It will be with John Katz and Matides. And again, he will talk about the blueprint to try to save this city from guns and crime and all the things he needs to, to make better, quite frankly. Three weeks in, he's got a difficult job ahead of him. He'll explain it to John Katsimatidis and you folks coming up in about 10 minutes. Quick correction. Quick correction, though, said 9.05. Oh, is it now 9.05? It'll be 9.05. For Lee okay. So okay. are we going to do, uh, Lydia, that at 8.25? No. Okay, so 8.40, Lee Zeldin, 9.05, Eric Adams? No, no. Uh, yes. Uh, no, no, no. Eric Adams, 8.30. Gotcha. Right. Lee Zeldin, 905. Oh, okay. There you have it. Bernie, thank you, Bernie. All right. So, listen, on the uh, issue of crime, which, of course, uh, no doubt Mr. Katzmatidis will be addressing with Eric Adams, this is a very interesting exchange between, and this uh, ubiquitous uh, Peter Ducey, to Jen Psaki. Listen to her answer on crime. Listen to what she says. It's very interesting. We'll comment on the other side. Would you agree that the most important job for any president is to keep Americans safe? I would agree. So you said that the president's never satisfied if people don't feel safe. Does he know that after a year in office, people do not feel safe in this country? Well, Peter, I think if we look at the facts here, we've seen a surge of crime over the last two years. Would you agree with that? So what are you attributing the rise in crime to, then? Well, I think we should be responsible in how we're reporting to the public what the, what the, what the uh, roles are, what the reasons for the surge in crime. Gun violence is a huge reason for the surge in crime. Gun violence. Uh, underfunding of pol- some police departments and their need for additional resources, something the president has advocated for consistently through the course of his career. That's something we know we need to take action on. Yeah, so it was you and your party, uh, lady, uh, uh, you know, fire, uh, whatever, 
uh, who allowed, who defunded the police, who wanted to defund the police under Donald Trump and did defund the police under Donald Trump. The whole crime wave, the atmosphere of lawlessness started with the overreaction to the death of George Floyd. And it continued when uh, Joe Biden and company and the lady who actually advocated to, to uh, bail out people who assaulted police officers, Kamala Harris, took office. You know, so if you try to attribute it to the Trump years, that's garbage. It was all Democrat inspired policies in Democrat cities and, and, and hyped up, of course, uh, cheered on by uh, the fake news and by the cowardly corporations and sports organizations. That's when the spike in crime started. I, I agree with you, and it does go back. And thank you, Gary Perrone, the new uh, GM of the Staten Island Ferry Hawks, for the compliment just now that he paid to me on the text watching us live at WBCRadio.tv. But let me ask you this, Bernie. You're right. The George Floyd death sparked this, uh, The really gave the Democrats, these woke people, these nut jobs, the opportunity to come out and, and, uh, and give us this bullcrap narrative. Why can't we turn it around now? Another cop, likely two cops, killed in New York City. Why can't we use their deaths, these two heroes, as a reason now to go the other way, right? We, we allowed the George Floyd stuff to put us in one direction. Why can't dead cops now put us in another direction? Why can't we go back I, I the other way? You ask an, an excellent question, and I think that's happening. I really believe that, that, that that's, it's a slow process. It's like turning around a super tanker in uh, New York Harbor. But I think that's what you're, you're witnessing. That's what you're witnessing, uh, 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 witnessed the, the conversation with uh, D.A. Bragg. He's also backtracking on all his policies. Yeah. You, you use a gun in the commission of a robbery, even if you don't shoot it, you will be charged with a felony. This is breaking news. As it should be, because I've told you this before. I know people, Bernie, that have been in stores in Brooklyn that were held up. They were not shot. They were not pistol whipped. But years and years later, they still woke up with nightmares. They thought they were going to get killed. The mental anguish people go through without being physically injured is almost as bad. So the idea you have to shoot somebody to commit a crime is ridiculous. Said I, got, I had a gun pulled on me three separate times. I worked in a, uh, a deli slash bodega in Yonkers. Gun pointed at my chest as they emptied the cash register two times in a taxi as they uh, they emptied my jacket and my, my money and all that stuff. I've had guns pointed at me. Nobody shot me, but it was an armed robbery. Of course. Is what it was. And it should be treated as a felony. And for uh, Bragg to initially put out that stupid memo, uh, which now he's retracted, okay, we'll take the retraction. But we know where your heart lies. And hopefully, though, you, you've experienced an epiphany. And also the fact that he will now charge people with resisting arrest uh, as opposed to what the conventional wisdom was up until uh, I I heard Bo Deedle say. I I didn't even read this anywhere, but uh, Bo Deedle says he said yesterday we will charge people with resisting arrest. So we'll take that, and uh, that's very, very important. And one last thing, uh, Governor Hochul, Governor Hochul yesterday talking about, uh, well, guns as though nobody's pulling the trigger. Listen to her, what she said about the crime wave in New York City and New York State as well. Take a listen. We have to do more to fight the scourge of illegal guns on our streets. These guns, despite our tough laws here in the state of New York, we're proud of them. They're coming in from other states. Duh. They're flooding our streets. (laughs) Yeah, they're flooding our streets. But somebody is using, somebody's pulling those guns triggers we have to do something about those people that are using the guns and pulling the triggers. That's right. The guns are not, you know, they're not crawling out of the uh, bureau, the drawer, and going out in the street by themselves and shooting people. 
Somebody's taken them out of the drawer and they're using them to shoot people. That is the issue. That's what you have to deal with. You can't get all the guns off the street. They've no. been here for years. They will be here for years. You can address that if you want, but immediately you've got to address the, the atmosphere of lawlessness that these people are taking advantage of right now. And uh, so she, she essentially repeated the Walker shot. The SUV committed the crime, not the guy driving the, uh, the SUV. That's right. That's right. And, and that's going to be the, basically the conversation between Katsimatidis and Mayor Eric Adams coming up next, which is practically what are you going to do? You know, words are great, it sounds great, but are you going to make sure the anti-crime unit is back in the next two to three weeks? Are you going to make sure that Alvin Bragg sticks by what he told Bo Deedle yesterday? There are things that he can do to make this city safer, and gun laws are not that. Anyway, coming up for the next 30 minutes, you'll have a chance to hear Mayor Eric Adams with the man himself, John Katsimatidis. Bernard and I will be back at 9.05 talking to Congressman Lee Zeldin, a gubernatorial candidate coming up next November. And uh, my choice, at least, I'm endorsing Lee Zeldin. Bernie is still out there with Giuliani and Estorino trying to figure it out. But uh, at any rate, it'll be John Katsimatidis and Mayor Eric Adams. And that's coming up next right here on Bernie and Sid in the Morning, only on Talk Radio 77. A special on the Bernie and Sid show. Uh, we have his new title, The Nation's Mayor. Why the Nation's Mayor? Every Democratic mayor in the country is looking at him as what is Mayor Eric Adams going to do because we will follow. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. How are you? The cats, how are you? Always good to be with you. Well, it's, it's good to be with you and the, the, the whole country. You've been mayor for three weeks, but the whole country is looking at you right now. What is Eric Adams going to do? Because I think they want to follow. And you have made yourself a national uh, spokesman for being mayor of New York City. And you have a new program, I understand, called The Blueprint to End Gun Violence. Uh, you want to tell uh, all New Yorkers about it? It, uh, and no, it's, it's it's very interesting. And my goal yesterday was really to do a comprehensive layout of what's feeding the sea of violence. There are many rivers that are flowing into the sea of violence, and it's dealing with lawmakers, the flow of guns, of uh, the practices in, on the ground in policing, mental health. And each one of those sea rivers must be dammed. If you don't, you're not going to address the underlying causes of violence. And we're doing our job of, of taking guns off the streets. Last year, the New York City Police Department removed 6,000 illegal guns off our streets. This year, we have removed over 300 since the time I took office. Why are we still seeing the constant flow of these guns? But not only that, do we have dangerous guns on our streets? We have to do a better job of not allowing dangerous people to continue to come on our streets. We have to tweak our bail laws. We have to tweak our mental health laws. We have to tweak how we go about dealing with those who are on the street, dealing with mental health issues, and they're dangerous to themselves and others. 
Uh, we all agree 100%. Now, there's, there's one, a, a lot of important things. We have to get all our politicals, uh, politicians together on this, that, uh, yes, we, we, we have sympathy, uh, for people that, uh, have mental ill pro- mentally ill problems. We have sympathy for the homeless. Uh, we have sympathies, uh, uh, at what point, uh, on these people's arrest record, there used to be a law, there was going to be a law, three strikes and you're out. If you have three violent crimes or more, at what point do you, you throw them in jail and say you're a menace to society? Here's what we're doing wrong right now. And this is something that you know I'm sure you recall, those of us who are old enough to remember, uh, during the late 60s and 70s, drug dealers identified that you could have youth or juveniles carry drugs because if they're arrested, they'll be treated in family court. That's what people are doing now, exploiting young people. They are having young people carry guns because they realize if they're caught with the guns and it's not publicly exposed, it goes to the family court. And we're seeing repeated cases where young people are caught with guns, they go to family court, and they come out. There's the young person who shot a police officer, he was just on probation in December for carrying a gun, and now in January, he's back with another gun shooting a police officer. We have to stop this from continuing to happen, because this is putting dangerous people back on the streets, and that's the combination of lawmakers and public and public service officers, police officers, and solving the solution, and like I say, damning these rivers of violence. Uh, Mr. Ad- Mayor Adams, I used to call you Eric when you were borough president. Now I call you Mayor Adams. <laughs> and uh, Mayor Adams, uh, you were started as a transit cop originally. Is it time, uh, instead of spending $7 billion on, on rails and, and subways, is it time maybe to put one police officer on every station and maybe one on every train until we solve the problem? Well, omnipresence is important. That's the concept of having visible, uniformed police personnel throughout the system or throughout the city Uh, because that deals with the two crises we're facing. We're crisis the actual violence that's in our subway system, but we're also dealing with the feeling and the perception that people don't feel safe. And so we have, in addition, we had additional 22,000 subway inspections from the time I took off office. A thousand more officers are visiting the system, doing also inspections. We're going to bring more officers when we civilianize, bring in police officers from desk duties, placing them on patrol. So we're going to continue to see the omnipresence that's needed. And my officers are now riding the subway uh, trains so that you see them and you feel safer. We all do when we see that uniform officer that's there. We're not going to allow the congregating of officers. There was a New York Post article that showed eight officers standing together in a subway station. That's not acceptable. We believe our officers should spread out throughout the system and do that busy, visible omnipresence. That's important. We agree 100%. Now, the mentally ill. Uh, 20 years ago, there used to be 30,000 of them in hospitals. 
Now there's 3,000 because somebody, somebody, I don't know which politician, I'm not going to point fingers, threw them on the streets of New York. Those people are human beings. They need help. What can we do? Can we create maybe a hospital system on Rikers Island? Because these people need help. They don't deserve to be living like that. Well said, Katz. And we have really embraced this concept that it's dignified to live on the streets, live in the subway system, sleep on grates, sleep on tents in front of establishments. This is our course of doing business when it comes out with those with street homelessness and mental health crises. Uh, I don't believe that. And this administration is not going to push that policy forward. Uh, number one, uh, our, the subways are made for commuting. We're going to partner with mental health professionals and law enforcement officers, and we're going into the system, and we're going to escort people off the system that are dangerous to themselves and others, and clearly they are in need of care, and we're going to give them the wraparound services that they need. I believe in the Fountain House model. Uh, the Fountain House is a model that actually builds trust with people who are homeless and ensure that they get the services that they need. That is what we're going to focus on. We can't have a system where people are sleeping on the system, carrying all of their belongings on the system, laying out on, on train stations and on subway uh, uh, trains. Uh, this is not acceptable, and we're moving from the model of just acting like they don't exist and acting like it's dignified to live on the subway system or on our streets. That's not the model we're going to practice under this administration. The the five DAs that uh, come under uh, New York City, uh, have you met with them, all of them? I'm sure you have. Uh, are they going to be cooperating with you, the federal government, or whoever, just to make sure that bad criminals – I'm not talking about people with one ounce of marijuana. Nobody gives a damn. But bad criminals that are hurting uh, the citizens of New York City, that something uh, something happens to them that, that to make our city safer? Uh, yes. Uh, I have a great relationship with all five of my district attorneys. Uh, we're going to continue to communicate and act as partners in dealing with crime. Uh, are there going to be areas we may uh, have a philosophical disagreement? Yes, but we will work through them. Uh, they, like I, know that our city must be safe, and we can't continue to have violent people placed on uh, on our city streets and creating violence in our communities. So it comes down to to bring our city back. And I was on that Zoom call with Kathy Wilde the other day with D.A. Bragg. Uh, to bring our city back, we have to take care of the violent criminals. We can't accept them. Uh, we got to take care of the homeless because they they need uh, help. And we got to take care of the mentally ill because those are those are the people. Some of them are veterans. Some of them are, are are permanently mentally ill, and we have to make sure they have their medicines and make sure we take care of them. I agree with you on all of that. And every New Yorker, every New Yorker agrees with you with that. Then, and, go ahead. And you, and, you, and you just laid out what I am sharing with New Yorkers, that when we think of violence, it is not one river that's feeding the sea. As you stated, we have to deal with the mental health. We have to deal with the gun violence. We have to deal with uh, just a total feeling of disorder. 
Uh, all of those things we must deal with, and that includes making sure we stop the flow of guns in our city. It includes making sure that when we take dangerous people off the street, that they go through our court system in an expeditious fashion, and we're not holding up trials. And when we examine what is clogging up the wheels of justice, and that is what we laid out yesterday so that we can make sure we declog those wheels so they can move in a very expeditious but fair way. We had uh, one of the people that you talked to, uh, we had Bill Bratton, Commissioner Bratton, on on our show last night. And uh, he, I, I know he, he talks to you once in a while and advises you once in a while. Um, there's so many illegal guns in the city. How can we separate uh, the people that use illegal guns to terrorize other citizens versus maybe the bodega owner that has a gun to protect his family in in his store? Can we somehow separate the two? Yes, we can. And that's what a well-trained police officer that's familiar with the streets, they have the proper uh, training, they use the technology such as video cameras uh, to ensure that they identify uh, the individuals who are uh, potentially carrying weapons, uh, how they, they carry out their uh, communication and interactions with these individuals, and that they understand that they properly identify themselves as police officers. And we have uh, police officers with, with that level and those levels of, of skill sets to do the job right. We need to give them the tools and support to be able to carry this out. You were a captain in the NYPD, and uh, you were a police officer. Uh, is your goal, and I think it is, uh, that uh, you want to make sure that the people in blue, the NYPD, every every uh, servant uh, of our city, that they feel confident that you got their back? Can you give them confidence that you got their back? Uh, yes, I can. And, you know, trust is not just given, it's earned. Uh, as police officers, they, we must uh, rebuild trust with the residents, and as the leader of the city, I must rebuild trust with my police officers. Uh, we have our officers going out doing difficult jobs. If they carry out the, their jobs and hand off dangerous people uh, to the system, we must make sure laws keep dangerous people incarcerated until they serve their time, and we make sure, must make sure that prosecutors are prosecuting those who violate the law. You can't have a city such as New York where people feel any and everything goes that is unacceptable and that is dangerous to the quality of life that we expect as New Yorkers. Now, once we take care of crime and people feel safe, I believe people that have moved, people that are scared to ride the subways, people that they're all going to come back because this is the greatest city in the world. And is it a lot of responsibility because it all lies on your shoulders, Mayor Adams? It, it, it is. And and I want the obligation and the responsibility. Uh, this is a city that I love. Uh, I was able to have a good career here as a police officer, as a state senator, and as the borough president. Uh, I believe everyone should have the opportunity. I say all the time, cats, uh, America is the only place where dream is attached to our name. There's not a German dream, a Polish dream, a French dream, but there's an American dream. 
And the real symbol of that American dream is right here in New York, where we have a diverse population of all different cultures and ethnicity, and we should have the right to move towards that dream every day. And the only way we can do that is to be a safe place. The prerequisite of prosperity is public safety and justice. So if, if if crime goes away, if we clean up our streets, and uh, in addition, uh, Omicron goes away, I think it's the greatest city in the world. Can we? Do you have a dream of what you want to do to put New York City back on the map? Yes, get crime under control, bounce back by COVID, build an economy that is going to deal. Uh, with the inequalities that really prevented uh, New Yorkers from experiencing the American dream. And that is our goal, and we know it's possible to do so. This city is manageable. Far too many people believe that we can't manage this city. And I'm saying to New Yorkers, yes, we can. We must have the covenant protected. Taxpayers pay their taxes. Agencies are supposed to use those tax dollars to provide goods and services. As your mayor, I'm going to make sure we provide those goods, goods and services so you get your money's worth as a taxpayer. Oh, we have a minute left. Anything else you want to tell all New Yorkers? Not all New Yorkers. America is listening to you. All Americans. I want them to believe. I want them to believe. Uh, people reflect on September 11, 2001. They think about watching those buildings collapse. And although I honor those who lost their lives that day, uh, Cats, the day I remember the most is September 12th, 2001. We got up. Builders built, teachers taught, New Yorkers responded in an admirable way to the crisis that we were facing. We showed our resiliency, and because we stood tall in the face of uncertainty, the rest of the country looked at New York City and said, darn it, we could make it. And that's where we are now. COVID is not terrorism, but it has terrorized us. And now it's time for us to really show our resiliency once again, open our businesses, make sure our children are in school, let's employ, let's make sure we patronize our shops, let's get up once again and show the entire globe what we need to do as we have done so many times before. Merrick, uh, uh, Mayor Eric Adams, thank you, and uh, we hope we can make this a regular thing where you talk to uh, New Yorkers, talk to Americans, and uh, God bless you, and God bless America, and the nation is watching, and uh, we, we, we are on your side, and we stand by, by you, and uh, we pray for New York. We all pray for New York. Okay, and pray for, let's pray for those officers. Uh, one is trying to recover from a terrible attack on our criminal justice system, and the officer we lost, that we lost, uh, both these officers, Officer Marrera, Mora and Officer Rivera are real New York heroes. Yes, they are. And, and we have to put a stop to this. Thank you so much. Thank and you. my sidekick on the show, Sid Rosenberg, says he really loves you. <laughs> Thank you, Sid. Take care. Take care. Well, that was Mayor uh, Eric Adams. And uh, Sid, you want to come in? Where are you now, Sid? And uh, I thought that was a, a great interview of what he uh, is thinking. Uh, what he plans to do. And I was sincere, Sidney, I was sincere when I said to him that the nation is watching him. And it was your expression this morning, the nation's mayor, because every Democratic mayor in the country is watching what he's going to do, and they will follow. 
I agree with you. And uh, I thought he uh, did a good job just now. He talked about some of the things that we've been talking about and Bernard, uh, both me and Bernie for days, uh, the units that we wanted to put back uh, together, uh, above and beyond getting the guns off the streets, which is virtually impossible, and Bo could attest to that. But he did mention three or four other real remedies to fix this city. So for what it's worth, between the Alvin Bragg conversation with Bo Deedle yesterday and the Eric Adams conversation, John, with you just moments ago, there is reason for hope because in both of those cases, Eric, just moments ago, both guys sounded like they had a plan. And both guys made it sound like their plan is uh, is possible. And it's the truth. America is marching. He has made himself a national figure. Yeah. And not a national figure, an international figure because people in Europe, people in Asia, they all want they, – they want a leader that they can look upon like – in in um, uh, after twenty twenty uh, two thousand and one, yeah, uh, they looked upon Rudy Giuliani. Yes, hundred uh, percent. He took he took command. They closed the bridges. They did what they had to do. You know, people were scratching their head because nobody knew what they was going on in two thousand and one. I was there. Yeah, I don't no, know where too. were you in two thousand. I was actually on the air with Imus. When wow. the planes hit, and we were stuck in Astoria, Queens, we couldn't leave. We couldn't leave. Couldn't get across the bridge back into New York City. I lived in Chelsea with my beautiful wife, Danielle, at the time. So I was on the air when those planes hit. And uh, you're right. Listen, Rudy took control. I'll, I'll give you this. Uh, you just said to him, John, you're 100% right. When it's right, and it's not right right now, when it's right, and we both live here, you and I. Yes. This is the greatest city in the world, okay? And if Eric Adams can do the things he just said he would do to you, if he can do those things this will be the greatest city in the world again. The question, though, is I ha- you know can he do it? I, I think he can do it. Okay. I think he can do it because he's a smart guy. He's, he's not only – he's street smart, too. He grew up in the streets like I did. Like, yep. uh, you know, and uh, uh, it's – look, it's the greatest city in the world. I just – I love it. And don't forget, when I was running for mayor – in 2013, you weren't even here. No, I was in Boca. You weren't here to vote. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I lost. That's why. You needed my vote. I would have voted for you very well, enthusiastically. Uh, well, I, I was w- hoping you were going to run for mayor and or governor this time around, but I, I think you're happy with Eric Adams, and then we'll see if uh, Lee Zeldin, who's going to join us in about 15 minutes, can get us uh, that win as well, but we'll see. But that was a great interview, and I did think that Eric did a very, very good job. He did of at least expressing some specific things, specific things he can do to help write this city, which yes. you did a great job yeah. bringing out of. By the way, there's been some controversy over one of our colleagues, uh, Rudy Giuliani, over a shirt. Yes. That we're crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> crazy. Let me tell you something. Rudy Giuliani makes raises more money for tunnels to towers. Rudy made zero dollars. All the money raised from the sale of that shirt Goes through tunnels for towers. That's right, and 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 that's all it comes down to. So I don't know. I'm disappointed in some of the newspapers that that tried to pick it up and tried to stir the pot. I guess you know after Rudy was Donald Trump's defense after the election, John, it has become very evident that every day they're trying to find new ways to destroy Rudy Giuliani, which, again, I know he was his attorney. You may get angry about the election, all that nonsense, but just you just brought it up. We're not that far removed from 21 years ago. This guy 
in lower Manhattan showing the world what real leadership is all about? Could we respect that at the very least and stop trying to destroy Rudy Giuliani every day over nonsense like this? It's crazy. It's sad. But for all of you that possibly read that newspaper article, all the money goes to charity. All the money goes to Tunnels to Tower to help the people of 9-11, to help our veterans, etc., etc. Sid, I'm going to turn your show back to you. You are? Yes. Well, that was great. If you, if you want to take over with Eric Adams. If I need a job. Says, <laughs> you're paying me. I might as well do something about it, right? Absolutely. All right. So I uh, just want to know this. John and Margo, Sid and Danielle, Eric Adams, and his significant other, six of us go for dinner. What do you think? We'll try to put it together. All right. I love it. Rayo's. Is that the famous place? No, well, uh, look who's sitting right here. Mr. Rayo himself, Bo Deedle. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Sid. And, thank you. Uh, that was great. Keep doing a great job. And, you too. Uh, God bless you, man. God bless you. That was a great interview, folks. If you just missed it, John Katzenbatidis with Eric Adams. That was as good as it gets. You could always check out all of our interviews or archived as John's as well. Cats at night. Go to WABCradio.com, WABCradio.com, and check out the interview John Katzenbatidis just did with Eric Adams. We'll take a short break. When we get back, it'll be Bernie and Sid again, which includes Congressman Lee Zeldin, hopefully the next Republican governor here in the state of New York. John Katzenbatidis, thank you so much. We'll be right back. All right, wrapping up the uh, 8 o'clock hour, Congressman Lee Zeldin running for governor. Loves me and Bernie. He'll join us next. A lot of uh, people texting me during the Katzenbatidis interview, and uh, they were very nasty. Uh, using the word that is synonymous with the female anatomy to describe. But listen, I don't want to go there. To describe what, sir? To describe Eric Adams not coming on with me and you and going on with John instead. Uh, I don't care. John did a great job. I know you heard the interview. Bernie, what did you think? I thought it was stellar. Terrific. Asked all the right questions. And uh, Adams, uh, you know, he he came through, I got to say. I think he did, too. I think, you know, he was specific uh, in things that you and I have talked about the last couple of days. So, like I said, between Bo's conversation with Alvin Bragg yesterday and Adams with Katsimatidis today, both men made it seem like they, um, they're on the right path. They've got a plan with some answers. Now we'll see, you know. Keep hope alive. Keep hope well, alive. Sir. That's right. All right. We're going to wrap this hour up. Congressman Lee Zeldin, Beat Bernie, and a lot more as we come back with the fourth and final hour of this great Tuesday edition of Bernie and Sid, Lady in Red. Hey, now. Welcome back, fourth and final hour. Bernie and Sid in the morning. My man Bernard out on Long Island, where Lee Zeldin is from, of course. Again, if you missed the great, great interview John Katzenmatidis did with Eric Adams on this show about 30 minutes ago, I recommend you go to WABCRadio.com. We archive every conversation, and you can go back and listen. It was actually a really good conversation. John did a really good job, and so did Eric. Uh, now, being the mayor of New York City, maybe the toughest job in the state. I'm not sure. It may be tougher than the even the governor who has to run the whole state. But, oh, no doubt about it. Right? It is, no right, Bernie? The mayor of New York City, is, is, is it's almost a thankless job is what it is. It's maybe tougher than the presidency. I don't know, especially I mean, because of the problems here now. The problems and, uh, you know, uh, every time there's a, a crisis, which uh, a, a crisis, which occurs 
I mean, what, hourly? Yeah. You have to show up. Right. I mean, no matter what it is, 2 o'clock in the morning or whatever, yep. it is, a, it is a, the, the toughest job maybe in the country. I agree with you. Like I said, more than the president. They're showing a picture of you, by the way, Bert. I'm live, of course, in the studio. You're at the house. And it's such a cute picture. I, I, I think I'm going to have sex with you this morning after the show. Are you available? <laughs> uh, well, listen, uh, how soon can you be here? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, our next guest is such a great answer. Is the pride of Shirley Long Island, a great congressman and a man that I am endorsing for governor. Bernie loves him too. Uh, he could really help us. Kathy Hochul is basically, as I said before, Andrew Cuomo with a vagina. So here he is, the great Lee Zeldin. Lee, welcome back. How are you, partner? Uh, it's great to be with both of you. And I'll tell you, I was thinking about what you were just talking about. And, uh, you know, what's the toughest job in this country? And I'll tell you, you know, being an NYPD officer right now. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's, yeah. It, it's like getting harder and harder. It's a good point. I mean, you know, if you're the president of the United States, you have your hands full. If you're the, if you're the governor of the state of New York, you have your hands full. Your mayor, as you point out, you have to show up at everything. But I got to tell you right now, uh, and it's, you know, a lot of us are filled with frustration and anger um, just with these great men and women who they just don't have elected officials policies with their back and you know as you see suicides on the increase retirement packets surging morale plummeting uh, you know we just have to do so much more to back the blue that might be the toughest job right now uh because you're, you you have so so little power i mean people just tell you yeah, yeah we're gonna yep. Uh, we're going to enact cashless bail, and we're going to release criminals from prison early. And Bragg is saying we're not going to enforce all these different crimes, even though you're you know putting yourself out there at great risk. And yeah. we got to do more to back the blue. You know what? I withdraw the comment. You're absolutely right. Uh, being a police officer, much much tougher. I guess there's different uh, levels uh, that, that that I was alluding to, but there's no question being a police yeah, officer toughest. these days. The toughest, maybe next to uh, being the assistant to uh, Joy Behar. Perhaps. Oh, my God. <laughs> or a husband. Oh, my God. You you're know, right about maybe, that. Maybe I withdraw my comment then. <laughs> That's I funny. I didn't contemplate that one. But you know what's At least Eric Adams, and, and I've been very critical of Eric Adams, and so has Bernard. And, and um, at least when it comes to backing the blue, he did serve in that position for over 20 years. And he does do that. And that is a huge issue in a lot of Democrat cities and states across the country. So even in being critical at times, you have to give him that lead that at least Eric Adams, he does he does back the blue. Yeah, I mean, I, I served with him for four years, two terms in, in the New York State Senate. Uh, we got along well. There's stuff that we disagree with uh, still to this day, but you know, you have to find common ground. And, and when someone gets elected mayor, they get elected governor, president, whomever, but in this case, talking about Mayor Eric Adams, I want him to be successful because I believe that his success could be our success as New Yorkers. We need him to succeed. We need New York City to succeed. Uh, and I'm, that's coming from a Republican, and he might be a Democrat. And we might disagree on a whole lot of really important things. But the, the idea that the tribalism and getting in your corners should go to the point where you're rooting for his failure – Actually, that's not on Eric Adams. That's on you if that's your attitude. Agreed. A thousand percent agreed on that. Look, uh, he, again, uh, at the risk of repetition, everybody said he's saying and, and uh, he's saying all the right things uh, pretty much. 
maybe not in, in strong enough terms for Sydney and myself. For example, he, he's as, as I, uh, Sydney and I pointed out, he's a media darling right now. He's got the bully pulpit. Uh, there are things you served with him in the state assembly. This no cash bail law is the scourge of uh, New York City and and and. And, and its suburbs as well. I mean, it really, really is. And there's nothing Eric Adams can do about it on his own except having this bully pulpit and being the media darling. He can name and shame. He can name the Carl Heasty, the Speaker of the uh, New York State Assembly. He can name Andrea Stewart Cousins and say, lady, you're getting people killed. He can do stuff like that, go above and beyond just saying, yeah, we have to fix the no-cash bill. Name and shame the people who are, are stop, who are blocking the reform of this the disgusting Todd Kaminsky bill. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's not uh, comfortable. It's not easy when you're calling out people in your own party. You might have relationships, maybe has relationships with Carl Hasty and Andrea Stewart-Cousins. You know, they serve together in the state Senate as well. Um, it, Alvin Bragg needs to be in my opinion he needs to be removed the governor of the state of new york has the constitutional power to remove bragg the mayor of new york city uh has an important role to play when you care about public safety uh and you you know that you need to improve our streets and so much more you can't be having district attorneys saying i'm refusing to enforce the law across the board you he can't single-handedly uh, repeal cashless bail, but what he can do, and he advocated for a change yesterday, is say that Albany needs to change the cashless bail law. Judges need to have the discretion to weigh dangerousness, and I believe they should be able to weigh flight risk, past criminal record, seriousness of the offense, and more. The handcuffs need to go on the criminals instead of going on the judges, going on law enforcement, going on the prosecutors. And yeah, the mayor, you know, has he has his powers, but on top of the powers what he can directly do in changing a law is also the the power of the bully pulpit, as you point out, and, and calling out people who aren't doing the right thing to maybe in a way name and shame them into turning around and you know, hopefully writing the course of the state, which really needs saving. Yeah, no, so we've been uh, all over Alvin Bragg, too, Bernie and myself, as well as Eric Adams, but Alvin Bragg even more. But uh, I do compel folks to go back and listen to the conversation Bernie and I had with Bo Deedle about 90 minutes ago. Bo had a conversation with Alvin Bragg yesterday, and according to Bo, Alvin has done a complete 180. He has now come around and said, listen, you walk into a store with a gun or a baseball bat, whether you use it or not, I'm going to prosecute you. So supposedly... As a felon. Correct. Supposedly, according to Bo Deedle, Alvin Bragg has done a 180 now and is not saying the same things he said a week ago. It's worth going back and listening to at WABCRadio.com. Congressman Lee Zeldin, choice for governor, here coming up on next November in New York. The bad news is, Lee, my son Gabriel, who you met at Peter Luger, He's in school today wearing a mask. The good news is, thanks to the Supreme Court, folks out where Bernie lives, no mask because that's unconstitutional. Duh. We said that from day one. Yeah, it is. It was ruled yesterday by a state Supreme Court judge as being unconstitutional and a violation of state law. What that means is that we should not be waking up this morning with Albany still threatening and telling school districts that you know, th this is going to remain in place. No, wrong answer. That's a product of Kathy Hochul's 
inflated ego. That's that's why that message is coming out to New York State. A bunch of school districts are saying, uh, we're going to respect the, the judge's opinion, the judge's ruling, and masks are going to be optional in their school. It's optional uh, where my daughters uh, went to school this morning. I'm hearing it coming out from other school districts as well. We should be waking up this morning in every school district in the entire state of New York, and we have over 700 of them, in every single school district, New York City, otherwise, uh, masks should be optional. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. I mean, I saw that the host of The View yesterday saying that, you know, her new normal, she's going to be wearing a mask for the rest of her life. She's a moron. Yeah, I, you know, and I tweeted out, like, listen, if you want to wear cucumbers over your eyes, a trash can over your head, you want to wear a mask on your face, <laughs> earplugs, do whatever you want on the New York City subway and beyond. Like, that's your call. We live in this great country where you could be as ridiculous as you want, but that's your new normal. That's not ours. Yeah, yeah. those people, are, as I pointed out earlier, are going to be like the uh, Japanese soldiers in the jungles in the late 40s and uh, early 50s, thinking the war is still on. The war is over. That is a stupid move on your part, but you're entitled oh gosh, to, to do it if you like. Uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin on the Bernie and Sid show. So practically speaking, a lot of schools are still uh, it's still shaming, uh, to use that word again, kids who show up with no mask. School districts are actually doing that. Uh, so what happens now? Does somebody uh, file an appeal? Does it get stayed, this uh, Supreme Court uh, ruling for a while? Or what happens, uh, Congressman Zell? So that's what the Hochul administration is saying that they're going to want to pursue is to appeal the ruling. They want the mandate to stay in place. Hochul says she disagrees that it's unconstitutional and illegal. You have two different kinds of school districts out there keeping the mass requirement in place. Uh, you have the type of school district run by people like Hochul, allies of Hochul, they want to help hold her water. Uh, then there's the other type of school district that, you know, is, it, they fear that New York State is going to maybe punish them, withhold aid. And they, you know, that threat is something that, you know, school districts often use uh, in the back of their head in making these decisions. But these other school districts, I believe, are making the right call waking up this morning and telling their kids masks are optional. If they peel the ruling, uh, you know, that process can continue but let's just not forget something on top of all of this is that we have public service announcements running on radio now taxpayer funded public service announcements telling new yorkers that the cdc is recommending that we no longer wear cloth masks so i thought this whole thing was about the science if this hmm. is about control if this is about hokel's ego and this isn't about the science well that's a whole other way of of looking at this whole darn thing. So, like, why would you even want to continue this mandate of forcing two-year-olds to wear cloth masks all day when the CDC is recommending not to wear them? Right, right. The great uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin, about 90 seconds to go. When you win, not if you win, when you win in November and you're the next governor of this state and start returning us to some semblance of normalcy, one of the first things you'll do is you'll bring back fracking, Yes. I support safely extracting our natural resources under us. It would create jobs, reduce energy costs, allow us to cut taxes. It would generate revenue, revitalize downtowns. We need to be tapping into our own natural resources under us. We can safely extract these resources. It's something that we should start pursuing on day one. It's criminal that we're not doing it, uh, that we haven't been doing it these past uh, uh, 10 years or whatever the hell it is. And also, uh, Congressman Zeldin, uh, these pipelines that Governor Cuomo and now Hochul 
are preventing from uh, being built for natural gas. Same thing, no? Uh, I mean, uh, it would immensely help out the state and uh, the region, essentially. You know, absolutely. It's, it not just economically makes making a whole lot of sense, but also environmentally. When you get into these discussions with some of uh, you know, these people, even like John Kerry, I'm on the House Foreign Affairs Committee. I remember John Kerry coming before our committee, and he was posed this question. Even he had to admit that the pipelines are better for the environment than transporting this stuff on truck. So right. you know, what really are we talking here? If it's better for the environment, it's better for the economy, but, and it's also better for our security. You know, President Biden came into office this time last year. He kills the Keystone XL pipeline project with our ally to the north, but, and at the same time fast-tracks Nord Stream 2. Fast forward to today, and you know, now they're putting troops, U.S. troops on alert to go <laughs> to Ukraine. Unbelievable. Really? It's unbelievable. Wait. Hold on a second. Hold on. I I may have to uh, go to the Hochul side now, Lee Zeldin. I've just been told that Kathy Hochul wants to bring Major League Baseball back to Brooklyn. That's what they're telling me, Lee. I don't know. That's that's a big deal, no? Hey, listen. I, you know she can she can try to say and and spend you know, two hundred sixteen billion dollars state budget. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of stuff she will say. You know, meanwhile, we're waking up this morning and, you know, she's keeping her COVID vax mandates and, and mask mandates. And, you know, doesn't she said there's no appetite to repealing uh, to do anything about cashless bail. Uh, we, you know, we don't have parents who are being encouraged to be more involved in their kids' education. The list goes on of everything that needs to be addressed. Um, you know, we're not going to just be bought off. Uh, we're not going to be spun up. Uh, in a way to distract from the reality that whether it's cost of living, the quality of education, the safety on our streets, our freedoms under attack, we're talking about saving our state. We can all agree about bringing you know more more major league sports to uh, to New York State. Um, but listen, it's not going to you know you can't just put a shiny object and get Bernie, Sid, and Lee to stop talking about all these other issues right. that matter most. Of course, that sounds. That sounds great. More major league sports, but uh, you know we've got a heck of a lot more to do. Yeah, it's, it's, the, equivalent of, it's the equivalent of free beer for everyone. Right, everything falls apart. It just it, it yeah, can't it, happen. It's a complete distraction. The Mets and Yankees would never ever agree with that. So it's uh, the whole thing is just stupid. It's pandering. It's election year. Nice try, Kathy, but you didn't fool me, Bernie, and or Lee Zeldin. Lee, as always, you're great. We love you. Uh, continue uh, speaking out there and uh, keep it going. So next November we get an easy win. All right, pal. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for fighting a good fight. You the man, the great congressman uh, is. Lee Zeldin. He really is a Iraq War veteran and just a all-around great guy, great Long Islander, like you are, by the way. Uh, like I am as well. Yeah, yes. here on the Bernie and Sid show, uh, we got beat Bernie coming up, Sydney, and uh, also a lot more show to come. So keep it where right where, where it is right now. right baby Only you. back here on the Bernie and Sid show heard everywhere on that 77 WABC app that actually is what, what was my wedding song my beautiful wife Carol who just left uh, to bury her mom down in Florida oh. believe it or not but uh, yeah this was that. our wedding song and uh, 
Never forget it. It moves me till this day. Uh, back here again on the Bernie and Sid Show, heard uh, out in Long Island, News Talk 107.1 FM, and also live streamed on your smart TVs, your computers at wabcradio.tv. Now, we've had a wild uh, show. We've covered everything, all kinds of things. Uh, one of the biggest things, of course, the, the, the big story, and to me it's a light, really, a lighthearted uh, uh, issue, is, was the fact that uh, the president responded to a Fox News reporter candidly. And uh, I found it refreshing, believe it or not. He's a nasty old uh, lying, uh, race-baiting creep and all that stuff. But uh, this thing actually made me laugh. Uh, this was Peter Ducey. You've heard it, no doubt about it. But it's worth playing again because, well, it's like listening to a good record. You can hear it over and over again and uh, maybe a chuckle. Peter Ducey asking uh, Joe Biden about inflation uh, as he was walking away. He wasn't supposed to be asking questions. And the, uh, the old imbecile got frustrated. But it was funny. Take a listen. That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. What a stupid son of a bitch. That is great. I mean, am I wrong? Is that not like the first real candid, honest thing you heard from a program, the handled puppet of uh, these uh, woke tards down in D.C.? Am I wrong about that? No, I think you're – although I did – didn't he also – maybe it wasn't him. Somebody – under their breath, called somebody else. Oh, it was Fauci last week. That's what it was. He called, he called, he called the senator a moron. He called the senator from Kansas a moron. That's right. In terms of yeah. Joe Biden, you're right. That's the first time we've heard uh, something that honest, that feisty. And even though he uh, he's the worst ever, that was somewhat gratifying. It, it really, <laughs> even though we like Peter Ducey. Yeah, no, I love Peter Ducey. And, of course, uh, uh, Biden called him afterward. He said, nothing personal, just business, blah, blah, blah. Didn't necessarily apologize. Whatever. It's a non-story, a non-issue. Just something that uh, actually amused me, as did uh, this uh, really uh, one of the lowest of reprobates, a really oily, sleazy, uh, I can't even put it in terms, uh, fit for the radio. This guy, Michael Avenatti, who is in town because he's on trial, a civil uh, trial, for swindling uh, no less than uh, Stormy Daniels. Remember her? Remember that hot piece of, uh, no, I don't think she was. Anyway, he was asked, because apparently Michael Cohen figures in this uh, little civil case, is testifying against Avenatti, and along the lines of Joe Biden, uh, Avenatti went after Michael Cohen, who is one of the dumbest people uh, to ever, did he pass the bar? He could not possibly have passed the bar. But anyway, um, Avenatti on Michael Cohen, take a listen. I heard about this book that he's got or some podcast, Mia Culpa. You should have called it Mia Culprit. Guy's an absolute dirtbag, dumber than a box of rocks. Dumber than a box of rocks, yeah. Uh, and, and that's true. Michael Cohen, uh, I, I know him. I've been on TV with him. He's a dumb guy. He's the kind of guy. He's the attorney that would do things that uh, respectable attorneys wouldn't do, which is why Donald Trump kept him around and why he did not take him to Washington, D.C., which embittered him to the point where, well, he was he just turned on uh, Trump, as we all know. But, uh, yeah, it's been a wild show this morning. Of yeah. course, the interview with uh, Mr. Katzmatidis and Eric Adams around 830. I urge everybody, as you did as well, Sid, to uh, go to WABCRadio.com and check out that interview. Eric Adams cleared up a lot of issues. Mr. Katz, of course, 
left no stone unturned, uh, talking about everything from, well, a cop on every train and, uh, you know, the, the institutionalizing these homeless people. And uh, do you have the, uh, the police officers, are they confident that you have their backs? Is that, is that going to be the case? Now, you know, he hasn't really been tested along those lines yet. An incident will happen where he's going to have to make a decision. Right. Where you're going to have guys like uh, Sharpton or whatever complaining about marching. And, and Eric Adams is going to say, no, I think my guy did the right thing. That's going to be the test. We're going to find out. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was a great interview with Mr. Katz. He talked about the economy, uh, you know, that type of thing. Uh, as I mentioned, the three strikes and you're out, he also talked about, which is a great question because you have so many recidivists out there. Three strikes, you're out, uh, used to be thought of as cruel and unusual. But these days, desperate times call for desperate measures. If you are a repeat felon, three strikes, okay, you want to make it four strikes? Okay, I'll give you four strikes. Oh, God, no. I want to make four- it two. Okay, all right, make it whatever. Right. Let's let's set a limit, after which you do you are incarcerated for life. That's it. We're, yep. we're not putting up with it anymore. This is uh, this is serious stuff, as I say. I mean, it's almost time for you know some sort of uh, New York City martial law at this point, as uh, we await the funeral of a, a police officer. I believe that takes place on Thursday. Well, Which, oh, no, Friday. Actually, you're, you're attending it on Friday, as a Yeah, of fact. I think the funeral is Friday. I think the wake is Thursday. I know both right, go on right. Thursday. But uh, Friday at St. Patrick's Cathedral, I am going, so I won't be here for the second part of the show, if not the whole show. St. Patrick's Cathedral is three blocks away. You guys know I go there on Fridays anyway. So I am going. But, uh, yeah, Rivera has passed away. And, again, something I talked about early this morning, and Bo kind of confirmed it, was that that second police officer, he is also, I hate to say this, I don't want to sound rough here, but he's going to die. Uh, he has already, his family has already said you could take his organs. So, uh, again, I hate to say this, but this is going to be two cops dead before the end of the week, and, and that's, uh, that's about as tragic as it gets. It is uh, really uh, so depressing. Uh, and again, uh, this is the last full week of January. Uh, January 2022, good riddance to it. It's been a bleak, disgusting month of Mondays, just worse than that. Even saying that is almost frivolous. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be another another sad thing. It's going to happen again, though. It's going to happen more and more, again, unless uh, we take serious action and realize the, uh, you know, the gravity, the seriousness uh, in which we find ourselves, the, 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 the situation right now in these times. New York City in 2022 is not a good place. So uh, we, you know, keep hope alive on that point. Now it's time to beat Bernie. It's time to beat Bernie. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. You think you can beat Bernie? Good luck. It's time to beat Bernie. Let's play Bill from Brooklyn. What a cool job he had. He was the former chief electrician. At the Empire State Building. What a cool job. How you doing, Billy? Yeah, I'm okay. Uh, one of the reasons I'm on the phone, man, first of all, you're a great guy. But when I heard Bernie's voice on the radio just now, my heart got warm. I, I, I have such compassion and man-to-man love for him and you guys. I swear, I'm going through the same thing he's going through. And that's why I'm subjecting myself to... Hmm. I probably get none of these right. Wow! I just wanted to get a chance to, to give Bernie and, and a kiss from my heart, man, as a man. Well, that's very sweet. You know? That's very, very nice, Bill. I'm glad you got through, and I'm glad you're going to play win or lose. Those are beautiful sentiments, so thank you so much. You got it. All right, Billy, here we go. Number one, 
until the 1849 California gold rush, the center of our country's gold production came from what major North Carolina city? Oh, boy. My wife grew up there, actually. North Carolina. Yeah. Brown, you two legged back of that. Spent 14 years in yeah, Charlotte. I don't get that one. It's uh, Charlotte, Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte. Charlotte, yeah. Number two, how many territories does the United States of America have? How many territories do they have outside, of course, of the states, the 51 states? Territories. Two. No, they've got five. They've got five altogether. Guam, Puerto Rico, North Marina Islands, U.S. Virgin Islands, and the American Samoa. What president was nicknamed the father of the Constitution? What, What president was the father of the Constitution? What's that? I'm going with Jeff. No, it's James Brown, Madison. Number four, two outer space. Uh, no, no. Okay, two outer space landmarks appear on the Alaskan state flag. Name one. The big two star in the sky. Space. Yeah, come on, the big star in the sky. What do you call that? The North Star. There you go. The big dipper in the North Star. And finally, number five, authorized by the Continental Congress in 1787, what coin was first printed with the slogan, quote, mind your business? I'll give you a hint, a blank for your thoughts. Penny. All right, you got two right. Let's put them on hold, get to Bernie quickly because of the uh, running out of time here. Bernie, you need uh, three right to win today's game. Are you ready to play? Are you there, Bernard? Hello, Bernie. What's up, lad? All right, three right, you win today's game, okay? I like what I hear. Until the 1849 California gold rush, the center of our country's gold production came from what major Carolina city? Carolina? North Carolina, yeah. North Carolina city. Danielle spent 14 years there as a child. Uh, I have to go with Chapel Hill. It's not a bad guess. She's a diehard North Carolina Chapel Hill fan, but she actually spent most of her life growing up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte. Charlotte. Number two, how many territories does the United States of America have, Bernie? How many, not the states, of course. How many territories do we have? Territories? Now, uh, let's see. Uh, we have uh, one, two, I would go with three. Wrong, you two-legged back We've got five. Guam, Puerto Rico, North Marina Islands, U.S. Virgin Islands, and American Samoa. So you got to get these last three right, all three of them, to win today's game. Here's number three. What no president was nicknamed the father of the Constitution? The president nicknamed the father of the Constitution. That's right. Uh, that would be, I'll tell you who it was. Okay. That would be uh, the Constitution. That would be uh, John Adams. Wow. Wrong, you two-legged back of I'll give you a hint. Oh, James Madison. Yeah, that's right. I was going to say Chuck I'm Schumer, right. uh, Bernie Sanders, and Norm Coleman yeah, all went John, to the yeah, same high school. All right, you get these two right, at least you tie. Or this guy, uh, Bill, who loves you to pieces, is going to win today's game. Here's number four. Two outer space landmarks appear on the Alaskan state flag. Your girl, Palin. Name one of them. Two outer space landmarks. Yeah, that's right. Uh, an outer space landmark would yeah. be, uh, well, I'll tell you what it is. All right. <laughs> it would be uh, it would be the International Space uh, Lab. Wow. Bill won Brown, today's game. No, the two are looking for, all right, and he got this one right, Bill, the Big Dipper or the North Star, believe it or not. All okay. right. 
uh, to keep you from going zero today, authorized by the Continental Congress in 1787. What coin was first printed with the slogan, quote, mind your business? And I'll give you the same hint I gave the caller, a blank for your thoughts. Okay. Uh, well, I have to go with quarter, no penny. <laughs> yeah. All righty then, two to one. Today's final score, Bill. Congratulations, courtesy of Pete Morgan and Peerless Borders. You won a hundred bucks, Billy. I can't believe it, Bernie. The only reason I called was to speak to you, my brother. I'm going through similar stuff you are for the last five years, and all we need <clears throat> is God in our presence. And what I had to do, say, God. Let me feel your courage, your strength, and your acceptance. Once you feel one or three of those, that's his presence, and you're on your way to a healing. I love you, my brother. Stay well. Hey, uh, Billy, thank you. Those are very kind and encouraging words, and I, I hope you're doing well. You're damn so. Are you doing well? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm still kicking. I'm 78. You know what I mean? They can't beat me, and I'm giving it the old Brooklyn try, and you got Bronx blood in you. So uh, go forward. Don't you know? Don't think too much, my friend. No, you know, no, not just... at all. No, no, we're, we're fighting it. We're treating it, and uh, and good things are happening. Yeah. So, but Billy, listen. Thank you so much. Thanks for playing. Thanks for calling. Thanks for listening. And God bless. I can't believe I won. Yeah. Yes, you did. A hundred bucks and a WABC Barry House coffee mug on the way to Brooklyn. Oh, excuse me. One eight hundred eight four eight. WABC, 1-800-848-9222. We will close it out on the phones and get the last statement of the day from the rest of the cast. Right after this, these short messages. Beat Bernie, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Oh, I love this song. Google Dolls. Come on. To wrap this thing up as we do every day now. Final thoughts. Woody Giuliani has his own final thoughts. I know that we can't use that. He's stealing it. So I guess, um, what's on your mind with the rest of the cast? Me and Bernie will go last. Justin Ellick, go ahead. What's on your mind today? Well, I would say the impromptu uh, interview with Eric Adams featuring uh, the great John Katsimatidis on our program. Oh, you just suck up to anybody. You just don't care. I mean, just... You know it. Okay. That's what, that's uh, listen, what you get for going to me first. Yeah. He who uh, is without sin should not uh, cast stones. Oh, I know, Bernie. I taught him well, right, bro? (laughs) Exactly. I I taught him well. Luke Legrano, what's on your mind today? Oh, the rows are a mess. That's what's on my mind today. (laughs) Today and every day. (laughs) It's amazing what's happened to you. You've transformed from a sports guy to a real traffic guy. All right, let's go to uh, the lovely Christina. Christina, what's on your mind today? Riveting show. I'm going with Bodito. I got pumped. I'm hopeful. Uh, He broke some news about Bragg and what he said about prosecuting. Um, Very exciting. And you know what? He got me hopeful about Eric Adams. He seems to think he's going to do the right thing. So it was exciting. All right, there you have it. It was exciting. Uh, I think that was a great interview. And I think uh, in both cases, Bernie, I think you'd agree that – between uh, the conversation Bo had with Alvin and John with uh, Eric Adams today, there is some hope, right? There is. I, re- I remain optimistic. It's a great city. Uh, it can help. Uh, you, you know, you have a, a poll out yesterday. Not only are Latinos running away from the Democrat Party, now it's demonstrable. You have numbers. Blacks are as well. Black people, uh, African-Americans waking up, uh, experiencing the epiphany that they're being victimized. Uh, there's hope. Keep hope alive. All right, folks. Bernie, you sounded amazing today. You sound uh, even better than yesterday, which was much better than last Tuesday. 
So it's, uh, that was great, and uh, you're always great on the air. So uh, just a heck of a show. The whole cast, all you guys did great today, all of our guests. And you, you as well, bro. You're a consummate pro. Thank you, Bernie. Coming from you, that means a heck of a lot. Thank you to Bo Guido, Lee Zeldin, Eric Adams, and John Katz and Matides. Enjoy your Tuesday in New York City. So Wednesday morning at 6, from all of us to all of you. Peace! Peace. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GaboLaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.